The following podcast contains explicit language and movie spoilers. You've been warned. No, seriously, they're, they're spoilers and, and foul language. Yeah. Welcome to $20 Ticket, where today we are going to tell you how much we would pay to see the movie Home Alone. This is the B team, who is, in my opinion, better than the A team. My name is Erica, and today I have with me Miss Holly Hart. Holly, how are you doing? I am doing well. How are you? Good, good, good. What are you drinking? I am drinking a Truly... And? A McUltra. And? And. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> I was like, um. <laughs> and then also today we have with us Elizabeth. Elizabeth, how are you? I am great. I would ask how you are, but Holly already yeah. <laughs> I know. I we know like, you're doing fine. We kind of made weird eye contact just now. <laughs> I'm doing great. Thank you for asking. <laughs> what are we drinking? Um, truly and another Truly. And a little bit of this fireball shot. We're just a bunch You're of You're still nursing that? Yeah. Oh my God. <gasps> Don't call her out. I just said she's still nursing it. I asked her a question. I wasn't like, you bitch. <laughs> we all took this shot 30 minutes 30 ago. minutes ago. I have a little bit left. <laughs> and last but definitely not least, we have with us Mr. Kyle Cowley. How are you? Ooh, ooh, I'm doing good. Ooh, it's good ooh. to be back. Are you excited? I'm very excited. I feel like we're a little bit rusty, but I think we're going to get back into it. It's going to be good. I know. Yeah. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a passion fruit truly. Surprisingly, it's your only one on the it's table. It's the only one on the table. All right. Because you guys are clearly all double fisting. I have one. As you pull one out of your cooter. <laughs> <laughs> when was the last time we recorded? Now I'm thinking about it. So it was we did. A year how, ago. Was it? It was a year ago. Because we did. Guy. Oh, shit. We also did. It was Halloween Texas last Chainsaw. year. Yeah. We did Texas Chainsaw. COVID's been a bitch. Yeah. It, that, let's say COVID, that. COVID, you've been a you've been a nasty girl, Miss Rona. <laughs> you've been a dirty girl. You've COVID, been a dirty girl, Miss Rona. COVID <laughs> hasn't allowed us to bond as much as we'd like to over right. a podcast. But here we are. Here we're we here. Are. We're queer. We are. Get used to it. Get drinking <laughs> beer. Drinking beer. Drinking beer. Alrighty. So the movie that we are reviewing today is a Christmas favorite for the three of us, not for one. <laughs> We'll, we'll let you decide. We'll yeah. let you, Spoilers. We'll let you decide. It is Home Alone, a 1990 American Christmas family comedy film written and produced by John Hughes and directed by Chris Columbus. Not to be confused with the guy that came to America. Columbus. <laughs> took the land from the natives. It stars Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci, Daniel Stern, John Hurd, and Catherine O'Hara. It was distributed by 20th Century Fox. So before we get into the background of the movie, Kyle, hit us with the financials, please. Yeah, so the movie, the initial budget was $18 million, and when it premiered on November 16th, 1990, it actually ended up grossing, in its entirety, $477.1 million. So clearly it was a box office success and it did very well so it actually held the record for the highest grossing live action comedy ever until it was overtaken by the hangover part two in 2011 weird to me because right. i feel like the first one was better me too <laughs> the second one better. sucked <laughs> but maybe like all the anticipation for the second movie that's what people was that the one where you were in thailand yes, yes. <sighs> not okay. good not but good. that's a story for a different day um, so it actually, when it was in theaters, it was the number one film at the box office for 12 straight weeks. Um, and this included After Christmas. So that's kind of pretty fascinating because obviously it's a Christmas movie and people are fully into it during February. Um, oh, and, all the way to February? Oh yeah, 12 weeks. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. And then by the end of the half year run, it made $285 million and 
previous to this, only two movies have ever done that in history, and that was Star Wars and E.T. Elliot. (laughs) Elliot. No, I read that they, like, limitedly released it, and then, like, it overtook, like, some big movie and became number one, and they started expanding it, and then it was in the theaters from, like, November to June. So, production was actually expecting about $8 for opening weekend, but... That was mostly because of the fact that it was up against Rocky Five, but it ended up doing 17 million opening weekend, so it totally crushed everything in its place. Damn. Yeah. For a little love kid. Love to see it. A little kid. We love to see it. We love to see it. He's just fucking up some robbers, <laughs> and it beat Rocky Five. An act of terrorism. Act of terrorism <laughs> to defend his home. <laughs> Elizabeth, want to give us the critics review? So for Rotten Tomatoes. of critics liked it, with an average rating of 5.65 out of 10, with 54 ratings, 35 fresh, and 19 rotten. 80% of the audience gave it a 3.5 or higher out of 5, with an average rating of 3.97, with over a million ratings. So, it was pretty much mixed reviews, it sounds like. From the critics, What do you guys think about that? I think it's bullshit. (laughs) <laughs> I, well I, Elizabeth might disagree no, I, think, I think honestly for me it's like a battle of like that whole nostalgia piece like we've talked yeah. about it before it's like when you first watch a movie like the first time I like we'll get into it with personal experience but I think it's just balancing like my my critiques on a movie versus like my personal feelings with it right. like yeah. and so I'm more inclined like I hadn't watched it in a couple of years and I watched it again, obviously for this podcast. And so my perception of it going into it was like, I would lean more towards the audience. Cause I just always just have really fond memories of it. But now that I've rewatched it again under the $20 ticket lens, I'm kind of understanding the critics a little bit. Like what is this movie? Yeah. Like, like I mean it, yeah, we'll get into it with personal experience, yeah. but is that all Elizabeth? No, there's more. Oh, <laughs> wait. Well, wait, there's, there's more. more. <laughs> <laughs> the twins are here. <laughs> for IMDb, it was rated a 7.6 out of 10 with over 460,000 ratings. Good. Males and females both gave it a 7.9. The lowest ratings were given by 45 plus with an average rating of 7.1. So Eight. I think I agree with them. I think it was Harry and Marv that rated this very low. I agree with the older, <laughs> older population on this one. Well, um, Harry and Mark got their asses kicked, so I disagree too. I also have a quote that I chose. Yes, um, Elizabeth. I love your quotes because they're so good. I mean, they're not. It, this is not something that I said. This is something that a critic said that I personally agree with. with. Oh yeah. my god! Okay. Oh god, this is gonna be good. Everyone involved ought to be sent home alone with no supper. Ken Hankey, Mountain Express, Asheville, North Carolina, said that. And I agree with it. With no supper. My face. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to see. Clutch. Oh, sorry. My, clutch. I, was, I was busy picking up my jaw off the ground. <laughs> I don't want to see you for the rest of the night. <laughs> Catherine O'Hara, home alone. <laughs> I disagree. But anyways. It's all good. Holly Hart. What's up? You have all the background information for us today, don't you? I do, actually. So I was surprised because I figured for like a 90s holiday movie, there wouldn't be much behind the scenes. But the thing about Home Alone is it's so, it's not like anything, ex- like Erica made, Erica made a face and she was like questioning what I just said. And so I, what I, what, what I want to say by that is it's just like a f- good hearted family movie. Right. And usually when you have movies like that, like there's little to no background information. Um, but Home Alone is just such Ooh, a cool It brought favorite. the drama. It did. Oh it God. did. I was excited. So, I mean, there was just a lot of fun facts behind <laughs> it. 
Um, so like starting off with the director, like originally he wasn't supposed, like he wasn't assigned to direct this. He was too busy pillaging and plundering. Christopher Columbus. Yeah. In 1492, he sailed the ocean. He was, he was too busy transmitting smallpox. It's okay. We got it. So, you know, just decimating the indigenous people. But in his spare time on the weekends, he was a director. um, (laughs) He moonlighted as a film director. Had a interest in film and had the right connections just from founding America, you know, was in the right rooms <laughs> and according to Chicago Magazine he was working with John Hughes but he was set to direct like the National Lampoon Christmas Vacation movie right. um, and I guess the first time he met Chevy Chase according to Chris Colum- we're gonna call him Chris Columbus because I can't say we Christopher Columbus and look at you because you just keep making this face <laughs> well his, his credits in the film is Chris it Columbus is. I know I think it's just the distinction from yeah. you know because he's not trying to our friend Chris blunder and pillage <laughs> I know. Imagine what's your name? Christopher he was trying Columbus. to find a trade route around Africa. Let's be honest. <laughs> He's trying to get some spices back. He's trying to, to get the home some country. spices back. <laughs> He's a spicy little man. Um, so he said that Chevy Chase treated him like dirt the first right. time that they met. Well, I mean, um, did we not hear? This is a complete side note. Kerwin, feel free to take this out. Have we all watched Community? Yes. No. Okay. Chevy Chase was asked to leave Community, or I believe was asked to leave Community because he was a douchebag to the rest of the He's cast. Just difficult to report. That's why he wasn't in those last seasons of Community. That makes sense. Yeah, carry on. Sorry. Yeah, so I guess he was working with John Hughes, and like John Hughes, like we need to give this guy his dues. Like he's, he's Breakfast the king Club, eighties, Rat Pack, yeah. Sixteen Candles, wrote Ferris Bueller's Day Off, right. like all the good ones that I even watch now and I still love. Um, so John Hughes was working on. Uh, National Lampoon Christmas Vacation and wanted Chris Columbus to come in and do it. And Christopher Columbus, Chris Columbus, God, I can't even say it. I get so excited. I'm flabbergasted. He, uh, the only reason I remember this guy, like personal side note, personal anecdote, is he directed the first two Harry Potter films. I didn't know that, yes. And I remember reading the posters because I had the posters. I was a nerd. I still am a nerd. But I remember reading Chris Columbus and it was like, like the Explorer. And so like that's always stuck with me. And then seeing that he directed Home Alone, it was kind of like a full circle moment. Um, but anyway, so he he gave Chevy Chase a second chance, and they met again. And Chevy Chase, lo and behold, was still a dick. So he was he backed out of the project, and John Hughes felt so guilty that he offered him up another Christmas themed script, which happened to be Home Alone. Okay. So that's how he kind of got working on the project. When talking about Macaulay Culkin, John Hughes had worked with Macaulay Culkin on the 1989 comedy Uncle Buck with John yes. Candy, who makes an appearance in this movie. And he said that Macaulay Culkin was just super mature for his age, and he kind of stole every scene that he was in. So when they were thinking about casting for this movie, he wrote the part for Kevin McAllister with the actor in mind and told that to Chris Columbus. But Chris Columbus, wanting to be like equal opportunity, interviewed hundreds of children or auditioned hundreds of children. I was like interviewed. So what is your greatest accomplishment what, in life? What would you say is your greatest weakness? The kid's like, I don't like nap time. Yeah. What can you contribute to this film? Right. No, so he he uh, auditioned hundreds of kids just trying to be equal opportunity. And one of the last kids that he saw was actually Macaulay Culkin. And he said that he was perfect. So John Hughes was right from the beginning and probably could have saved him a lot of time. Um, speaking of casting with The House, The House was apparently a huge to-do. 
Um, they wanted to find something that had the exterior like front step so they could pull off some of the film's stunts. Right. Um, but trying to find the perfect house, like John Hughes, I, I did a lot of research into this because I was kind of confused because I thought about Ferris Bueller's Day Off and I was like, that's in Chicago. And then I thought about Breakfast Club and I was like, that's in Chicago. And then I thought about this movie and I was like, that's in oh Chicago. God, I never even that. And so I was like, what is John Hughes' affinity with Chicago? Like, and it turns out like he just grew up in the area and just continued to put it in his movies because you go with what you know, apparently. And houses uh, are cheap in Chicago. Yeah, I mean, it's Illinois, yeah. But they actually found the house in Winnetka, Illinois, and they spent weeks searching through all of Chicago, like all through the different areas to try to find the perfect residential home for the exterior shots. Um, and so they ended up finding this house and they sent it to John Hughes and he said, that house is perfect. That's the exact house I imagined this to be. Because when you think of the scenes of like the shadow scenes where there's Michael Jordan on the train. Right. Oh my God, my favorite. Yeah, that was like a thing that you had to have like the right layout and the right spacing to right. make it work. Um, but the actual interior of the house is not the interior shown in the movie. Um, they did that in the high school gym right. where they plotted out all the stunts and like recreated the indoors just because they needed like an open space to um, have some of the scenes. But fun fact, the house sold for $1.585 million in 2015 after nearly a year on the market. Um, it was originally listed for $2.4 million. Why? That's cheap. Why, why do you think it dropped in value because the wet bandits because there's high crime in that area (laughs) Kyle never recover from this financially (laughs) five of the 11 houses on that street were robbed also I in my research I also saw that Michael Jordan actually lived literally down the street from this house during the time and this is peak Chicago yeah Chicago Bulls 1990 Chicago Bulls so I mean, it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense that the bandits would target this house when literally Michael Jordan's down. They should have just put the cutout in the window, and they would have been like, "Oh, this is it. Off limits. (laughs) Off limits. MJ's house. He's got security. Right. Um, So more about casting John Candy. He makes his cameo as Gus Polinsky. Um, the polka band? Yeah. So fun The polka fact. king of the Midwest? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, Kyle. No. I didn't so know you have, were a fan. Have some respect on his name. The thing about John Candy is he'd worked together with John Hughes on Uncle Buck and Macaulay Culkin, so like they already kind of had familiarity. Um, but according to the movies that made us, uh, he only spent one day filming. Right. I think it was like 23 hours or something like that. Right. They had like they a 20 filmed- minute scene, that's why. Huh? He had like a 20 minute scene. No, but he had like the airport scene, he had the van scene, the truck, like he had a a bunch of different scenes. But what was crazy, there's two things that I think are crazy that we'll unpack. He improvised most of it. Oh. So he was not like, John Hughes, they said that he was the only character that was allowed to like mess with the script a little bit and just like improvise, like the whole thing of like the polka, polka, polka. Polka, polka. Yeah, no, that's him (laughs) improvising. And so- Do you wanna try? Do you wanna try? (laughs) Right. Yeah. No, so him with Catherine O'Hara, they'd worked together, I guess, on a TV show. So they kind of had some chemistry, but like they were loopy. They said in the van when they were like, filming that like it was just off 23 hours of being awake and just like they were just stir crazy they're punch drunk just and we've all been there where you've been awake for a long time and right now i mean <laughs> kyle you're like that all the time <laughs> but i want you guys to guess how much he made for the 23 hours he worked i know the answer to this so i'm not gonna yes please it, but it's wild um 1.5 million okay what do you think one million 
414 dollars <laughs> 414 yes he got paid less than the pizza guy in yeah the movie. no way yes. yes why he just i mean he worked one day and he's a close friend of john yeah, Hughes. So it's kind of the only rationale the way that the the, the it's like i'll do it the movies that made us explain is that he did it more as a favor yeah to the production staff because like he worked so closely with them so much before but yeah he only got paid 450 dollars for 23 hours of work and he probably didn't care because John Candy's just I yeah, miss John. I mean, Candy. at that point, he was bringing yeah. the big bucks. Yeah, but, he's and, like, yeah. I'll do you a solid, bruh. Totally, four fourteen. Totally, let's do it. But I mean, for him, again, he was in the movie for what, like, ten minutes total. Yeah, yeah. Like, it wasn't any any big lift. But the thing is, it, I just thought that was hilarious. Four hundred fourteen dollars. I was like. And what's funny is that once you the, tax that, once you give ten percent to the agents, it literally showed like the pay sub, like the the pizza guy and him, and it was literally like. $500 versus like $450. So. I love that. That's Little so Nero's funny. Pizza Guy. Little Nero's more? Pizza Guy, yeah. Oh my God. Keep the change. <laughs> That's $414 in $1990. Right. Right, right, right. Is that um, a lot? I don't know. It's Way probably more than, more than it is now. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, so according to Mental Floss, Joe Pesci was not, who was cast as Harry, like one of the wet bandits, the role was actually offered to Robert De Niro first. After De Niro turned down the part, Saturday Night Live's John Levitz also passed on it. He's like midget. no, I think he's the one. He the only not like a midget, but he's like short. He's bald. Yeah, he's he has like the monk. Yeah, baldness, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that he is guy. short. Yeah, does he? Okay, because yeah. I always I always thought he was a guy from The Wedding Singer. Mm, no. Oh, it might be the same guy. I might like let's we're gonna Google it. Him. Google Sorry. it while I pee. I'm gonna pee too. <laughs> So according to Mental Floss, before Joe Pesci was cast as Harry Lime, the role was offered to Robert De Niro. Oh my God. Imagine, what would the movie look like if Robert De Niro was in this? There would be a lot more guns. <laughs> <laughs> there would be a lot more death. <laughs> like full on sequences it of would, violence. Right. It would, <laughs> it would not be a family comedy, it okay? <laughs> it would be a dark, dark comedy. I think so. And I think De Niro at that time had enough self-awareness to be like, not my journey. Right. You know? So after De Niro turned it down, um, they offered it to Saturday Night Live's John Lovitz. John Lovitz. Yes. He was on Friends. He played Rachel's weird date that made t-shirts for a living. I always think about him in The Wedding Singer. Yes. As the DJ. That as well. No, what was, he wasn't a DJ. No, he's a live performer. And then Drew Barrymore saw him perform. He he sang Ladies Night. And she was like, I'm going to said, hire a DJ said, as a result. not this. Yes. <laughs> she said, not my journey. <laughs> um, so he passed on it. And then it was ultimately offered to Joe Pesci. Thinking of the role of Uncle Frank, uh, the role was originally written for Kelsey Grammer. <laughs> but was given to Gary Bamman when Grammar Wait. was unavailable. I so, hate him. Getting into a little bit more behind the scenes, not so much the casting, but according to Time Magazine, Hughes came up with a story from like when he was preparing to go on vacation. So he, he said to Time Magazine, I was going away on vacation and making a list of everything I didn't want to forget. I thought, well, better not forget my kids. And then I thought, what if I left my 10-year-old son at home? What would he do? One thing led to another. And like after he got back from his vacation, his son said that he spent 10 days writing the original screenplay for Home Alone. Wow. Just thinking what? through it, just the, like all the stuff. And obviously that was the first iteration of it, but like he was just like obsessed with this idea of like what a kid would do Home oh, Alone. Let me 
what does child negligence look like? I know, right? What does a CPS case <laughs> in look modern like? America? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who do we call? <laughs> no, exactly. But there was actually a lawsuit against this movie. So some, I'm trying to. <laughs> so according to the New York Times, a French filmmaker named Rene Manzor sued 20th Century Fox, claiming Home Alone copied his 1989 movie Pierre Noël. Pierre Noël. Pierre Noël. Pierre Noël. I'm going to need you to fact check that, Kerwin, because your French knowledge. <laughs> um, but it was about a boy who was left at home by himself on Christmas Eve who has to fight for survival when an intruder breaks in. The studio unsuccessfully tried to reach a settlement. For his part, John Hughes claimed to have never seen or heard of Manzor's film. I mean... I've never heard of that either, so I'm going to go with Obviously, John we've never heard of that, but... Right. What's it called again? Uh, Pierre Noel. P-E-R-E. Noel. I'm gonna Google it. See what's up. See what's up. See what's up with Renee. Wasn't that movie based off of like someone that was impersonating Santa Claus and trying to break into the house? Was it? Yeah. So it's like it's it's different. I think there's enough creative differences. That but I mean, I, I don't feel like that's like original amongst horror films. Like what happens Ooh, when somebody's home alone? alone you know? Uh, oh, exactly. it's called an English game over. Noel, I just was assumed Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> no, I am IMDb. Is that, is that am dumb? I that like, far off? am I? <laughs> no, no. Oh my God, no! What did you say this movie was? P E R E Noel. No, yeah, but this is game over. Is in English, Pierre Pierre Noel, whatever in French. But it says, on Christmas Eve, a resourceful young boy has to defend himself and his grandfather from a killer dressed as Santa Claus. Thank you. That's what I said. Yes. It is a horror movie. So completely different. Same premise. I mean, there's only so many ideas that we can make happen in this world. So I don't think that's. I would rather have robbers than a fucking serial killer. (laughs) Dressed as Santa. Dressed as Santa. Yeah. Calm down, Krampus. I'm like like still kind of hung up on the fact that Pierre Noel translates to game over because we're singing over. Literal. Oh, no, no, no. But I don't think it's Pierre. It's P E R E. So, Pere Noel. Oh. Kerwin. Someone go get Kerwin. But when we sing. But when you sing Noel at Christmas time, that means over? (laughs) Over. Over. Yes, hit those high notes. Don't whistle tone. That's only found with Mariah Carey, so it's fine. Born is the king. We've been singing about the apocalypse the whole time, and we never knew it. I know. We've been singing about 2020 this whole time. The whole time. (laughs) Born is the king of over. Of over. Carry on, Holly. (laughs) Fun fact that I think Mugga is going to love is that there's a tie, like a string, if you will, between Friends and Home Alone. Did you guys know this? No. So the Friends set designers used some stock footage in the last season of Friends and some eagle eye fans discovered that the view outside of Monica and Chandler's house is the same view that Kevin McAllister had outside. So technically they bought Kevin (gasps) McAllister's house. What? Yes. Yes. So there's a tie between Friends and Home Alone. Oh my God. The crossover we didn't know we needed. The crossover we always had but didn't know. (laughs) The Bing residence. The Bing residence is basically the McAllister's is what you're saying. Yes. They better change that doorknob from an M to a B. (laughs) That's that's affluence right there. M to the B, you know me. (laughs) It's the affluence for me. (laughs) 
Um, how about, so how rich do you have to be to have a monogram doorknob? Uh, not that rich, apparently. It's Just like saying. $150. The attention to detail? I mean... <laughs> Do any of you guys have monogrammed doorknobs? No, but I'm about to get one. <laughs> Just to prove she's affluent. <laughs> so For my how, bedroom door. So I'm always like, my my MO with, with things is like, usually it comes down to money. So I always want to know how much money people make to do things. So when Culkin played Miles Russell in the film Uncle Buck, he received $40,000 for that role. Right. And that was 1989, so let's just put that in perspective. A year before. Yes. Um, So then in 1990, when he played in Home Alone, he only made $100,000 for the movie, which I say only $100,000. For that time. But 1990, that's a lot. Right. That's a lot of money. For an eight-year-old, yes. Exactly, exactly. Um, so after that, when Home Alone kind of reached its success within the box office, um, he starred in, <laughs> I can't even say this without looking at you, Erica, but he starred in the 1991 comedy drama, My Girl. Oh, <laughs> he can't see without his, his glasses. His glasses. <laughs> he can't see without, no, we quote, I'm so sorry to everyone listening to this, but we quote this all the time. Like when somebody, when we see bees or when we see gla- somebody wearing glasses. Me, per se. Yes. No, she saw a flock of bees one time and she was like, he can't see without his glasses. And I teared up immediately just because well, like. Fun side story. Last night, I wear contacts. My closest friends know that I'm blind as a bat. Her glasses are literally those drunk glasses that they give you in health class. <laughs> to make literally. you feel like, this is what it's like when you're drunk. This is Erica's every day. She's yes, drunk, day. stoned. <laughs> well, I mean, undergoing <laughs> cardiac arrest. I don't know. It's it's a it's a trip. But so last night I took my contacts out because I wear contacts. And my own boyfriend goes, her glasses. She can't see without her glasses. <laughs> I mean. That movie I can't watch without sobbing like a child. I, I haven't know. I haven't put myself through that emotional torture lately, but I feel like it's probably coming. We should cover that movie. Unpopular opinion. I watched it during quarantine, maybe a few months ago. Did not like it. It's the first we, time I've seen it as an adult. I don't think we like it as adults, to be honest with you, because I don't like it as an adult. But I think we're getting older, y'all. Here. We're getting old. I haven't anyway. seen it. <laughs> you haven't seen I, said, I have not seen it. <laughs> I need you to see more Macaulay Culkin movies. Yes. Okay. Monster so, Ball. Okay. So, how much money? Going back to the going back to where I was going. How much money do you think he got for My Girl? He was a hundred thousand dollars with Home Alone. His next movie. How much do you think he got? One fifty. One hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. I would think it would be lower. So I'm gonna say seventy-five. I'm gonna say two hundred. You guys. You guys aren't good agents. He got a million dollars. Jesus. Yeah. For My Girl. Okay, for but, his non. Mo- he didn't have anything memorable movie <laughs> Thomas J was an important part of that movie I need he you was. all to bite your tongue he, he was. was the catalyst for a lot of emotional development in that movie and you guys need to recognize that put some respect on his name I feel bad that he got stung by bees Anyways. but okay so going back Home Alone 2 he got a million dollars from my oh, girl oh I know this five million I literally have no idea 4.5 million yep. his, his agents they put the box doing. office success of Home Alone on the table um, so then he, his salary for The Good Son in 1993 was $1.5 million. He earned a cool $8 million for getting even with Dad. And then this movie is like my Macaulay Culkin, height of his sexual success. Awakening. I mean, when I determined. <laughs> it did it for you? Uh, that was actually Dirty Dancing when I discovered it. But anyway, um, then he earned $8 million for Richie Rich. <gasps> oh, Richie my God. Richie Rich. I forgot he was oh in that Oh, my movie. gosh. No, he was that movie. Yeah, I forgot. I forgot about that. So this Me is too. like the height of 1990s Macaulay Culkin. But I just loved like what his about progression. about Monster Ball? Was he in Monster Ball? Or am I thinking of a different movie? What's the really sketch drug movie he was oh, in? Oh, you're thinking of... 
Party Monster. Party Monster. Yeah. I was like, Monster's Ball with Holly Berry? <laughs> yeah. Party she Monster wanted Academy is the one Award? about like the underground. There's too many monsters. It's like Monster's underground Ball, like, party monster. club scene in New York. That's what I call Kyle, Party Monster. Yeah. And that's where he uh, drugs somebody, they die. Yeah, that one. That was like his adult movie. He was an adult. Yeah. Right. He was fully maybe 25. Did you know he has two siblings? Yeah. Yeah. He has no, he has, six, he has like six siblings. <laughs> He's like one of seven. Well, I told Eric this because I told Eric that his little brother was in signs. Yes. Okay, no, no, we're gonna he get also, here. We're gonna get here, we're gonna get here, so we're gonna go there next, but okay. like, we'll just, we'll save this. We'll so yeah, he's one of seven, yeah. So he lived in a one bedroom apartment in Manhattan and they were like piled on top of each other, like seven kids, nuts. But anyway, so according, we're gonna get there in like two two fun facts, but like the next fun fact is the most, one of the most iconic, if we're on $20 ticket, one of the most iconic scenes from this movie where he's in the bathroom and he's shaving right. and he does this, um, in an interview with Entertainment Weekly celebrating the 25th year of this movie, director Chris Columbus said that Culkin was merely supposed to slap some cologne on his face and scream. Um, but in the first take, he kept his hands there. Because normally when something burns you, you, you move your hands. Like, you're just like, that hurts. I'm going to stop. But on the first take, like, he kept his hands there and it mimicked um, Edvard Munch's painting The, the Scream. Yeah. Yeah. And so... <laughs> It was perfect and it got a laugh from people on the set, but then they shot it a couple of times with him taking his hands off immediately. Um, and then when they were doing editing, they realized like it wasn't as good as they thought. And so they kept the original first take and then it was also part of their marketing campaign where right. like the, the trailer the is him. Always have him with his hands against his face. Yeah, and he did an interview with Ellen, I think like a couple years ago and he was talking about how people want him to make that face. Like they'll <sighs> see him in public and be like, make the face and he's like, no. It's like, I'm 40 years old. I'm 35 <laughs> years old. His, his post, wanna feel old? I'm 40. Oh my God. I know, he's 40. No, he's he's in, insane. But his younger brother, Kieran Culkin is actually fuller. is fuller. Yeah, no, so yeah. okay. So I don't know if you guys watch Succession. I love Succession. And Kieran Culkin for me is like the best sibling of the Roy family. Like I think he's amazing. But I was watching this movie again and I had done no no research. I just went into it blind, like just watching the movie. And I was like, that's Kieran Culkin. Yeah. Like I was shocked. He's and the one that peed the bed. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Drank too much. He gets hopped up. Too much up milk. <laughs> it's like Kyle. It's Pepsi. It's Pepsi. First of all, Kyle drinks too much. He pees the bed. Sorry, I'm just kidding. Not wrong. Just kidding. Not wrong. But this was this was actually Kieran's first role, and he went on to like do other like several notable films besides Science. Successions. Now, so he did. She's all that. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Father. Father of the Bride. His he was? There. I think he is Hollywood's younger brother. Right, because he's Macaulay Culkin's younger brother, right. and he's like our star child. I get it. He did Cider House Rules. Yep. What the? And Scott Pilgrim versus the World. No, no, no. Scott Pilgrim is the other brother. Is he? Yeah. There's there's two little brothers. Two Culkins? There's Could Kiernan, it be? There's Kiernan, and then there's... Shit, what's his name? Rory. 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 Please hold. Okay, going back. Kiernan did Signs and what was that show you wanted to talk about? She's All That, Father of the Bride, Cider House. Yeah, and Scott Rory was, wait, what did I say? Scott Pilgrim. No, Kiernan did Scott Pilgrim, you're right, sorry. Rory did Signs. Oh, uh, okay. Scream them. 4. Scream 4, yes. He Lord has long of hair. Chaos. Who the fuck has seen Scream 4? I did. I, did. I just <laughs> watched it. I did too. Uh, maybe a month ago. I, <laughs> I love Scream. I love Scream too. 
Um, if you guys could see the face I'm giving them right now. He was in a movie, Rory was in a movie called Columbus. <laughs> Not wow, to be full confused circle. with Chris Columbus. Or to or be Christopher confused. Columbus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, so Kieran makes his appearance as Fuller, who is like kind of the villain in the beginning of the movie because he pees the bed. <laughs> Nobody Kyle. wanted to sleep next to Fuller. I don't think I don't think he should be villainized for his bladder movements. He's chugging Pepsi like it's going out of style. But there's actually like a series on Netflix and the movies that made us, and it went over how this movie almost didn't get made. So Hughes initially told Warner Brothers he could make Home Alone for ten million dollars. Um, so originally, this movie, like although it was produced by 20th Century Fox, it was originally with Warner Brothers. And John Hughes thought, because most movies at that time, like think about early 90s, were like 70 million plus. So he thought it was a great deal for them. Um, but the cost quickly spiraled and the budget blew to 14.7 million. Holy shit. Jesus. There were 4 million, 4.7 over budget. Um, and Hughes, 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 yeah, Hughes million. didn't think this was a problem, but Warner Brothers was like, yo, bro. <laughs> We need you to come back. Pump the brakes a little bit. And so according to um, John Heller, who was like the former president of Hughes Entertainment, he said, unless we could deliver a $13.5 million budget the next day, Warner Brothers was going to pull the plug. And they thought, we're going to play hardball and we're going to write a really good memo showing there's nothing left to cut. Like, this is a direct quote. Um, It didn't work out. Warner Brothers called their bluff. But what they didn't know is Hughes had met secretly with the rival studio 20th Century Fox <gasps> drama and ensured that they got a copy of the Home Alone script in case Warner Brothers got cold feet like just for this reason I think he knew he was like escalating the costs and was like if they're not with it like we need to shop this out hmm. and legally um, another studio is not supposed to see anything until it's in turnaround which is when like when a studio rejects it and then once in turnaround you can submit it to another studio um, but John Hughes is a businessman, shall we say. And the executive producer, Scott Rosenfeld, said basically a screenplay was left somewhere so someone could pick it up. It was clandestinely delivered, is the quote. Wow. Um, but Fox ended up loving the movie, and they said if there was any issues with Warner Brothers, they'd happily cover the extra budget. Um, so when the call came from Warner Brothers to tell us to stop working, they immediately called 20th Century Fox and they said, you're good to go. They said, this is it. So we got you, boo. We got you, And boo. so they made the movie under 20th Century Fox, which ended up working out because they made $476 million also, worldwide. did yeah. they Holy increase crap. the budget from like 10 million to like well, 18, you, 17, something like well, that? Well, I was listening to you talking about the financials and right. I was like, that's actually really interesting because if it came out to 18 million, that would make sense. Right. And so... Originally, the budget was $10 million. They were at 14 And then if they got up to 18 that would make sense. They said, you're with me now, boo. Yeah, I got, got you. you. <laughs> order, order the mozzarella sticks. <laughs> He's got money. He's got money. We're getting the extra large popcorn. <laughs> extra, extra large. Exactly. Love it. Um, so, fun fact. Uh, the picture of Buzz's girlfriend. Woof. 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 <laughs> We love Chris Columbus because he's a high-key feminist and he thought it would be too cruel to make fun of a girl like that. Right. And so the boy that was used in the photo was art director Dan Webster's son. <laughs> it was imagine a dude. That, it was a imagine boy. Imagine being that, that's your legacy. Right. You were in Home Alone as the ugly Buzz's girlfriend. girlfriend. Yes, that would be like so terrible as a girl. Honestly, that's so amazing because that's on my trash. Like... <laughs> 
Why are we trashing this we girl? Yeah. Fun of, of her, like, are we serious? Like, yes. Seriously oh doing God. this? But I mean, I get it's 1990. Like, it was a different time, but it's like, you can't do that. Like, right. this poor girl. Like, who is this picture modeled after? Right. Did they do, like, some sort of Photoshop? Right. Like, it's that, like, puts my mind at ease. Like, okay. Yes. It wasn't an actual, like, child. Right. That's having to, you know, live with that. I thought the same thing, and that's why I included it, because at first, like, I said the same thing. I was like, we're sitting here dogging on this girl. <laughs> but, like, Chris, and I just love this, because I think we need to shout out the director for realizing that in 1990. Right. Like, it's just yeah. not that's okay to, like, make fun of a Who girl. Who knew? The feminists that we needed, but never knew. They were, they were seeds back then. Yeah, they, they were, were playing, seeds. The yeah, seeds. he just saw, I mean, he saw the big picture, and I think it's I think it's hilarious that it's the art director's son dressed up as a girl. That's sweet. It's great. Is he coming out? <laughs> I know, right? Okay, so this, okay, so this, this is the one that I was like, I, I wrote it down, I literally, okay, so when I watch the movie, I literally take notes of like, what's coming through the dome piece. Like, right. it's, it's very scattered, but it makes sense to me. So there's one scene that like, kind of stuck out in my mind, and it's, I don't know if you guys know this, but when it's like, Harry and Marv are like, fighting in the car, and they're walking down a driveway, and they almost hit Macaulay Culkin. Yes. Yes. So I didn't realize that's the way that they shot it was, they started with the car close to them and then they put the car in reverse and then Macaulay Culkin had to walk backwards. And so then they like, they shot it like in the reverse. And so I remember watching it and I was like, why is he walking so funny? Like I I literally like that stuck out of my head because when you walk backwards, it's different than you walking forwards because you're like mechanically different. Yeah. And so I was like, why is he walking so funny? But it's because they shot the film backwards. I think I thought that too. Yes. I think I thought that too. I was like, he looks funny. Is, he, is something wrong with him? I right. thought he was like shuffling, like hurting? weird. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Now so I, no, it stuck out of my mind because I was like, why is he watching so funny? And then I was doing research on it and it was, it was actually filmed in reverse. So that for me, I was like, okay, that makes a lot that more, makes sense. more sense. So, um, and when you think back to 1990, a lot of the special effects that they were doing, there they was t- no CGI. Right. And so they were talking so about, this was real. Right. Yes. Yes. And so they were talking about a lot of the stunts that they did and like people falling on the ground and falling on their backs. And when you think about a lot of these stunts, like they did it in this gym that they had converted to the home. (laughs) And so they tested out all these stunts. And the thing about it is like back then, like normally, like they were saying today, you would have actors in a harness. Like when you watch somebody in a harness, it, it eliminates your natural human body movement. Yeah. And since they didn't have that, it looks super realistic. You know what I mean? When you're watching it now, you're just like, this person literally just fell on the ground, right. like with the full weight of their body. Mm-hmm. And it's nuts. And th- there was a lot of like stunt things that went into it. And it's just funny to think about like now how it would be different. It would they be CGI. would do it. Plus, like, I think what I saw was that they literally coined the term. They got home alone. Yes. Which means that you caught air when falling and then hit the ground. Right. Like in real life. Right. Which is insane to me. Yeah. So that's why when you see the people in the movie getting hurt, they're actually getting hurt. Right. (laughs) No, there was a lot of speculation on the the actual real life tarantula that crawled across Mm. across his face and the fact that it still had venom in it. And like the actor was like freaked out because the tarantula that crawled, it like could have stung him and possibly could have killed him. And I was like, 90s were a wild time. Like, as much as we think 2020 (laughs) is like all things go, like 1990 is right there. So Macaulay Culkin, like, after he had kind of his rise in Hollywood, kind of retired recluse, like, was speaking to Ellen about how he wanted to go to like regular high school and try to like be around people his own age. Because like every 
interview that I read about Macaulay Culkin on set was just like, even Joe Pesci was like, he's a nine year old, like physically, but mentally he's like an old man. Jesus. Like he's so professional. Benjamin Button. He's, (laughs) he's in, I think you can kind of tell just like watching him. Like he just kind of has an older soul. Um, so he reclused from Hollywood for a long time, but in December, 2018, um, Macaulay Culkin reprised his role and did a Google Assistant commercial. I don't know if you guys saw this, but I did. He did Google Assistant. He was Kevin McAllister now. And in the advertisement, he appears just as virtually identical to the older version That's of like Kevin. Mine. No, but he he did it and he was Kevin McAllister now with the Google Assistant and it's kind of just like in a home alone lens. So I think Google probably paid him a pretty penny to do that. He's I don't getting have his the, coins. He's in his bag for I'm sure. Gonna, he secured it. <laughs> Should He's Macaulay Culkin. Like, at the end of the day, he he dated Mila Kunis for, like, what, 10 years? years. Yeah. So, he actually reprised his role. Now he has a podcast. Now he's doing his thing. He, like, founded a website, so. He's going to be on American Horror Story, the new season. He is. Yeah. Is he? He's, yeah. He's making money moves. He is. Because wow. <laughs> his uh, Home Alone money ran out, so he's trying to uh, recoup. I mean, <laughs> his Richie Rich money. <laughs> um, so, that's all I have for behind the scenes. Do you guys have any fun facts? I got nothing. All right, Holly, tell us about your first experience seeing this movie. I don't know. I don't know how to describe it. It's interesting. I remember seeing this movie as a kid. I don't know where and when. Like most movies, I have like the first time I saw it, dad rented it. We watched it. Um, but Home Alone has kind of just always been a Christmas movie. Right. Like, mm-hmm. it's always and it's been always around. been around. It's always been something like it literally premiered the day before my second birthday. So I feel like it's just always been in the zeitgeist of like holiday movies. Like my my family is personally a Santa Claus family with Tim Allen. Yes. But this is something that's definitely on the rotation. I remember it. I remember the ah, on the playground yeah. where you slap your hands to both cheeks and like mimic Macaulay Culkin. And I remember what an icon he was during the like the early nineties um, when I was coming into cognizance, if you will. Um, but this movie I always thought was like. I always look at it with a super positive lens just because I remember the way it made me feel. I remember it was like kids have the ability to like defend their home and like be adults and like be in control of a situation. I don't know. It just, it it was something that was just like, it's fantasy, but it's also like super nostalgic in my head. And my sister and I were actually talking about Thanksgiving and she has two kids. And so now it's like the next generation watching it. And she was talking about how she was watching it and she was like, this is kind of dumb but her kids were loving it and they were laughing and they were like hysterically laughing and she was just like I remember watching it as a kid and like thinking the same thing like this is so funny this is so great but she's like now as an adult I watch it and it's just kind of dumb but my kids love it right and so it's like that kind of I don't know I, I I get nostalgic because it's just like the next generation watching it and loving it like how I did as a kid so that's my personal experience with it. All right. Elizabeth? Um, so <laughs> Tell us the truth. So <laughs> Spill the tea, sis. Uh, the year you I were born. born. <laughs> so You're a hot. I didn't see it in theaters, obviously. It might have been in the You don't remember or something. it? Um, <laughs> if I you did, you weren't there. <laughs> I didn't see it Never as a felt child. that. Never seen it. Um, yeah. So I never, like had the experience of watching it as a child I might have seen like pieces and bits of it but I was never I'm the person that if you ask one out of ten movies I might have seen them like I, I don't watch a lot of movies I haven't seen a lot of movies I don't know a lot of movies so 
um, this movie in particular. Like, I know that it's well known, but I just have never made it a point to watch it. So, and until now. Um, so it was kind of like my first experience was watching it for this podcast and watching it for this podcast makes you view things very critically. Critically, yeah. I think. Yeah. Um, so you kind of like pick apart things and like, is this good? Is this bad? Would I pay to watch this movie? So uh, I watched it by myself and I took a lot of notes. Um, but no, I had never seen it before. I had seen, like I said, I would seen pieces and parts of it. There's parts of it that are very iconic that like are in memes or you've seen before and you know about. I have to ask, like if somebody did this, like, like put their hands on their face and screamed, like you would know that's from I would know that it's from that. Yeah. I think part of the reason I have feelings about it is that people have told me, I mean, I feel like it's not as true now, but when I was younger that I looked like Macaulay Culkin. What? So that's like a disturbing part of it for me. Wait, I'm what? Sure when I don't have my eyebrows on, I, I mean, maybe I resemble Macaulay Culkin. I don't I, know. I'm going to just like full outright say no. <laughs> you but, do not look like Macaulay Culkin. Thank well, you. I mean, were you like a blonde child? Appreciate it. Were you uh, a tell yeah, I'm a blonde. I'm a blonde person. Wait, that's of, not your real hair color? No. What? So... The brunette standing before us is a lie. <laughs> it's not me. I feel like um, I'm you're really blonde. Results. I'm I've like been, dirty blonde. So I'm a dirty blonde. We've been hoodwinked, bitch. <laughs> you're just and dirty. The, the eyebrows <laughs> are drawn on. Like it's it's all a facade. But, but they're um, gorgeous. So I mean, but I do it. Yeah. Do. So I I just it's like like Macaulay Culkin. Like oh god. Like it because I just have that like playing in my head. Like somebody when I was a child, said that I right. looked like him. But and I'm like, Especially Ew. to be an eight-year-old boy, you're being and compared like, to. <laughs> okay, thanks. Like, what? So, I, I don't know. All of that is playing in the back of my head when I'm watching this movie, of course, because it's just like, okay. So, anyway. Have you seen any of his other movies? Like, No. Name one. Richie Rich. No. Party my Girl. No. You already said you've never seen My Girl. <laughs> Page Master. No. <laughs> Anyone else? <laughs> Any of them. That's all we got. That's all he has. Like Uncle so, Buck. Yeah. No, 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 no. He no, said, no. "I'm gonna make my cool four million, and I'm gonna walk away from and that, this and and industry." Good for him, but no, I have not seen. Any of them. Right. Like, yeah. Any of them at all. I haven't yeah. even seen the commercial that you're talking about. I, I haven't. I don't. Know. I'll play it for you later. I, I have nothing. So, yeah, that's what I have for experience. All right. <laughs> well, Kyle. So I have a very different experience from Elizabeth. <laughs> Um, so my mom tells me that she was pregnant with me when she watched the movie because it came out November of 1990 and I was mm-hmm. born in February of 1991. So you're floating around in utero. Right. So I was in utero when I saw this movie. Beautiful. <laughs> um, but as far as I'm concerned, I've never not known a life without this movie being in it. So, like, as long as I can remember, this was always the movie that we would play during Christmas. Okay. This was always the movie that I associated with Christmas time. And because of that, I have very fond memories of it. Almost to the point where, okay, so my mom told me that because of the fact that she watched this movie when she was pregnant with me, she almost named me Macaulay. Ew. No way. And that is a full-on fact. Macaulay Callie. <laughs> Macaulay Callie along. <laughs> Macaulay Holly Robert Callie Just the amount of syllables that you're right. saying. That's why she went with Kyle. Too far, yeah. <laughs> so obviously that I hold this movie very near and dear to my heart, but as far as like my earliest memories, I do remember watching this like on VHS, like before Christmas and all that stuff. So 
I always loved it. Yeah. I always thought that it, you know, hit a certain chord in my heart. Right. You know it's the season when you're exactly. watching Home Alone. Yeah. Exactly. So even now to this day, I feel like this is one of the movies that whenever I'm trying to get in the spirit, this is what I put on. So that's what I feel about it. I love that because, like I said, like the Santa Claus is the movie in our family, right. but like Home Alone was always hidden in the background. It hits different when it it's Home Alone. It hits different when it's Home Alone. <laughs> oh. Erica, how about you? Well, I'm older than all you bitches. <laughs> so I actually remember seeing this movie. I was three years old. You were. <laughs> <laughs> she was writing scripture. <laughs> and you remember it? I, I, I remember bits and pieces of it, honestly, because my aunt played it. Um, it was weird because I didn't see it in theaters, but like the next year, so I was I was I had turned three when this movie came out, but then so I guess four was when it actually played on VHS in our home or whatever. But that's like the first time I actually saw it, saw it, and I do remember it. I remember watching it with my aunt. My aunt thought he was the cutest little kid ever. She actually wanted to name her kid Macaulay. Oh my God. Yeah. What is it with these Filipino women? They're crazy. She named her kid Donica instead. (laughs) Not much better. Not much better. But sorry, Donica. (laughs) Um, So I do remember this movie and I remember growing up and leaving my toys out thinking that my house is going to get robbed. Right. I think this movie instilled a fear of robbers more than it should have it for our generation. Sh- it should have because I, my mom would always tell me a story that when I was little, I would tell her to lock my windows in case the wet bandits came. <laughs> True story. And I would get scared because thinking the wet bandits were going to come. So I think this is a horror movie for me. So I think, if anything, this movie traumatized you. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Guys, I think I think this is true now that I'm thinking <laughs> yeah, about, like, when I bought a home, I was like, home security. Like, yeah. We have to have cameras. We have to have someone's alarm gonna, system. Someone's going to yeah. rob you and come into your house and plug your sink. Right. <laughs> yeah, that's my worst fear. And full up the kitchen. <laughs> so no, so I would get scared and I would run into my mom's room and sleep with her because this movie kind of scared me. But looking back on it now, like growing up and actually, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine to 33. Um, that was a big jump. That's wow. a big jump. <laughs> um, I love watching this movie every Christmas. So, but yeah, my first right. experience, I think it probably traumatized me a little. You came around. I came around. You came around. Yeah. She bounced back. She bounced back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it traumatizing. But, anyways, alrighty. So, Trash and Treasure. Holly, start us off. Okay. So, I always like to start with my trash because I like to get the naked out of the way first. Always. Um, but I like watching it this time, like again with the critical eye of of thinking about the podcast. I I don't know how to say this, but I'm just gonna say this. I think there was like a really, really big inconsistency with his competence. Like at first when you meet Kevin, he's like, you can tell he's like this eight-year-old that he can't that, do shit for himself. No, he but can't. he no, but he's eight going on 40. Like the way that he speaks, <laughs> no, the way that he speaks and the way that he talks to his mom is just like I would have gone slapped. Right. In an Asian household. Yes. I would have gotten slapped in a Caucasian household. I, I was like, like, hold on. He's calling his mom dummy, and mom literally is just like carrying on the conversation. I'm just like, my no, mom would have shut no. that shit down. <laughs> no, the Nail first heart. way. The first time you called them all jerks. Oh, yes. yeah. You asked Jackie Pasquale to this day <laughs> if jerk is a bad word. She will say it's a bad word. She'll, and say, she'll, she'll equate that with other words. Yeah. <laughs> and she will put a bar of soap in my mouth. <laughs> so if I was Macaulay calling my mom a jerk, I would have been backhanded and hit with a wooden spoon. Yeah. CPS 
Please don't fly us. <laughs> yeah. Please, please do not fly You're us. You're too late. <laughs> don't call us. She's already 33. Never, I'm 33. Jackie's fine. Jackie's fine. We'll never, but Sorry, she, can still, she can still give you that look that knows like a wooden spoon oh. is an option. Um, My butthole will pucker if I see a Filipino woman look at you that way. Yes. <laughs> or uh, chinelas. <laughs> or chinelas. Or chinelas. <laughs> um, so no, but what I mean by that is just like he was talking as if he was an adult and then they got to the point of like he couldn't pack his own suitcase. Yeah, like what but the fuck, Macaulay? He's eight in, years old. Who, what right. eight year old is packing their own Honestly, suitcase? Honestly, my... my two-year-old niece would be like I'm packing she would pack all her stuffed animals into a bag and a blankie and she'd be good to go like that was how she would pack like she would put the put the clues together like I need what I need and I'm gonna go um but it, it was like a direct like especially in the beginning it was like a direct correlation between like he's speaking like an adult but then when asked to do like an elementary task he was like very wow. it's like a four-year-old he's like so a four-year-old like he like backtracked really really quickly so for me the inconsistency there and then it's like the first time that the robbers came and like tried to break into the house, he immediately, like he was watching the Grinch and hid under a bed. Right. And then, you know, a day later, then he's building this like intricate <laughs> booby trap like thing. Like, and so. A lot of character know, development happens. I get in it. 24 like hours. the progression. We love it. But at the same time, like, I'm just like, you're portraying this person to be a child, but there's so much inconsistency with right. the competence that like, that's what kind of stuck out to me is I'm just like, either he's a kid and he's growing up as we watch him, but like they have these moments where he's speaking like an adult, acting like right. a child, acting like a child, being a child acting like an adult going and getting groceries and then acting like a child because like some robber looks at him right. like for me it's just like it's it's a lot of back and forth and i would i would have loved it to be to be like a linear pattern at least the same yeah right and same you trajectory. can see you can see progression so like he starts off being like i don't know how to pack a suitcase and then it's like oh i went to the grocery store by myself but i got a little bit scared so i hid under the bed but right. then it was like you know i saw these robbers and i like asserted myself but I was reading kind of behind the scenes and they were saying like at the beginning, like you look at Kevin and it's almost like a, like the camera angle is up and you're looking down on him. So he looks very little. So he looks very small. And then as the movie goes on, like it kind of goes from a downward angle where you look at him as like he's growing. Wow. And huh. so that's fascinating. I think it's fascinating, but I don't think that the character trajectory like lines up for me. No. Right. Like I would have loved it to be like he's growing and so that the camera angle changes, if right. you will. And everything um, lines up. Everything lines up linear, way, yeah. linearly as as you as you watch him grow. But I don't feel like the story did that. Right. Um so that for me was a trash <laughs> I put this in all caps and you laughed at me earlier. But why the fuck are they obsessed with this house? Okay, that's like, going to be I, very direct composition to mine, my trash and treasure. <laughs> I, I just, I like, honestly, like, if I'm, a, like, Holly, I don't, there's VHS players, there's radios. There's, I know, I know they scoped the house and they said they've got a, like, a lot of nice stuff. Right. And I understand, like, seeing the interior of that, you, you can pick it apart. Um, that was... <laughs> That was also kind of like not something mentioned on my trash or treasure, but when we first see Harry, he's wearing literally a leather jacket with a patch like sewn onto it. It's like a biker's leather jacket and he's like pretending to be a cop. Um, But I just, I don't understand why they're obsessed with this house. As soon as you know somebody's there, like I don't have a criminal mind, but like as soon as I know that somebody's in that home, 
you move on to the next one. There's a neighborhood full of people that like are going on vacation or not home. Clearly like just as affluent as right. Them. And it's yeah. just like move the fuck on. Like right. why are you? Why do you have such a hard on for this house? If you like, know that there is a person physically living in the house that you're trying to rob. Right. Why are you gonna carry on with that? Well, plan? I right. mean, some people still rob houses when there's people. In. I just. And I mean, it's dumb. It's dumb. Right. And I hate to point out like the logical plot holes of things because I understand it's a movie. I understand it's for entertainment. Suspend that. But at any time, this little kid could just call 911 and be like, I feel like somebody's trying to break into my house. So that leads me to a question I wanted to pose to you guys. Yeah. If this movie happened today, Call nine one one, honey. The simply safe is different? on. Like, <laughs> how would it be different? The the the, the ways cameras got you, Harry and Mark. Like, you're done so <laughs> before you like, even approach the doorstep. Or it's like, oh no, I'm home alone. Call your mom. Right. Mom? <laughs> Call nine one one. Oh no, we left you. Okay, we'll be right home soon. Yeah. Click. Right. <laughs> like the movie would not exist if it was right. today. Oh no, the phones were down. Yeah, but at the same time, if this was happening today, he would have a cell phone. Right. That's true. Yeah. Right. And we don't want to put it in like a 2020 context. I'm trying to put it in a 1990s context, but I'm just like, if somebody's in a house, like at any point, I know their phones were down, but like he could go to a neighbor's house or he could call 911 and say like the guy he bought his toothbrush from or stole his toothbrush Right. Just like, I feel like neighbors are plotting. I mean, I heard these robbers plotting to rob my house. Like somebody send the police. Like it would be done. So that, like, I just, I don't understand why they have such a hard-on for his house, even though they know that he's home. Like, to me, I'm just like, it, it's bizarre. There's treasures um, in there. Especially when Michael Jordan lives down the street. Right. MJ's on that ass. Like, <laughs> but then, like, the last of my trash is just kind of like the 20-minute the segment where it's almost like Looney Tunes. Like, are you talking about when the robbers are Yes, the and when they're in the house, when they're in his little booby traps, like it's just like slapstick after slapstick right. after slapstick after slapstick. And like, I understand that, like, because you're doing it for enjoyment, you're doing it for the kid, like, like getting it his. Be, it would be a very dark movie if the moment that that ironing, the yes. iron hit his face and he died. <gasps> It'd be a very right. different movie. Right. Right. <laughs> like there's, there's I don't no know, blow torch to the head, right. like incapacitated I'm somebody. I'm saying any... Uh, Shot in the dick? Any of the traps that he put for him could kill a person. Right. So obviously they're trying to make it lighthearted. They're trying to, right. you know, make it a comedy because there's a very fine line between what they're doing mm-hmm. and murder. Right. <laughs> right. Active terrorism. Active, active terrorism. Right. <laughs> No, and for me, it's just like, I don't, I don't know if it's just my humor. Like I don't find humor in like more so the slapstick. So for me, it just, it was like a prolonged period of just like thing after thing after thing. So for me, it was just kind of like, okay, we get it. Like he's, he's beating these guys up. It's a child emasculating adults essentially. So it it just went on too long for me. It almost felt like it was a family guy segment where they just take it (laughs) way too long. Yes. Like you get it. You get the point. So it just question Mm -hmm. of the two Marv and Harry, who do you think had the worst treatment? Who do you think had Marv? Marv got it worse. Harry. So Marv is the taller one. Yes. Yeah. He got an iron to the face. He got a tarantula across the face. He He stepped stepped on a nail. Stepped on a nail. Yes. Harry just got burned on the head. And he got shot in the and forehead. And he got feathered. Right. Mm-hmm. Feathered. He burned his hand. He burned his hand. That's not bad. I think Marv definitely Work at a restaurant, you'll burn your hand. Yeah, like, a def- fucking iron fell from the second story. Right. Into the basement on his face. He should be dead. That's what I'm saying. Right. 
I think we could all agree that Marv had the worst end of yeah. the stick here. Poor guy. Yes. He just, he's the one that didn't want to rob the house. <laughs> he's like, there's a kid in there. Let's not go in there. But Harry had a hard on, so Harry's the problem. <laughs> like, Harry was erect for this Harry fucking Chicago on. colonial house. <laughs> yeah. No, but fun fact, it didn't make my trash or treasure, but I loved the fact that Macaulay picked up on the fact that he was a bad guy. And there's like a lot of evidence to cite like children can usually sense when somebody's bad. Like they did this as an English major. Sorry, I'm going to nerd out real, real quick. Are you going to quote like, the source material though? Maybe. <laughs> Who knows? It's not Fifty Shades. I don't know. Um, but kids can usually tell when somebody's bad. Like when kids look at Macbeth and the three witches, they can usually detect which one's the bad one. Like, And mm-hmm. kids have that intuition. And right. so I love that they put that in there. Or was it because you saw the sparkling silver tooth? Was it gold? Gold? Silver? It was definitely some kind of platinum. It was a metal. It, it was, was a metal it was a in the mouth. Metal. He saw the he saw the precious metal in the tooth and immediately thought this guy's a bastard. Yeah. Also, how about when I was younger, I didn't realize that that was the cop in the beginning of the movie. Oh my god, you're dumb. I was. He's wearing a literal leather jacket. I was an jacket. infant when this movie came out. You I were, was in utero. You were in utero. <laughs> yeah. No. So. He, him at the beginning, like just trying to stake out the place. I was like, okay, this guy's actually pretty smart. Yeah. Like I would dress as a cop and like pretend to like be totally. like, oh, I'm surveying and the neighborhood. No one cared that right. he was there. Yeah. Right. How about if you if a cop is trying to enter my home nowadays? I'm gonna. I have know my questions. rights. You gonna exactly. need a warrant for that? Like <laughs> exactly. You need a warrant for that. Right. Jay Z on that bitch. Like. <laughs> um. But getting into my treasure, I'm sorry. Like I know this is an unpopular opinion, but Uncle Frank personally resonated with me. <laughs> personally resonated with me. Um, when Look the, what you did, you little jerk. Ex- most iconic line of the whole movie, and my family says that to this day, like for any situation, like, look what you did, you little jerk. Like, we say. Mostly directed towards you. Um, <laughs> I would say about 99%. There's the 1% that goes towards other people. But when he didn't pay for the pizza, when he's like, oh, my brother's got this. Um, when he steals the salt and pepper shakers on the plane. Right. Yeah. Oh he's my like, God. Put this in your purse. I, I didn't realize that part until I watched it yesterday as an adult. And I was like, what the fuck is this guy doing? Stealing crystal. Exactly. Getting that coin. <laughs> first class. Um, <laughs> but my favorite is he gets on the plane and he's in first class and he's like champagne immediately. Like he just, I don't think he lives an affluent lifestyle, but when he's with that part of the family, he's just like, I'm rich, bitch. I like we can all relate to Uncle Frank more than anybody else in right. this movie at this point in our lives. Oh, right. Yeah. And my favorite is when he's trying to comfort um, Catherine O'Hara, which we have not touched on. Oh my God. Moira Rose, like the legend that she is. But when he's trying to comfort her, he says this line and he goes, if it makes you feel any better, I left my reading glasses at home. Exactly. When she left her child <laughs> at home. Like I was, I, I was in love with Uncle Frank at this movie. I was just like, he... He's trying. Like um, another treasure is just like the holiday nostalgia. A lot of the scenes that they do and a lot of the music. Absolutely. We have not touched on the fact that John Williams did the score. Okay, that's my. That's treasure. one of mine too. So yeah. John Williams, I think, like the whole Chris Columbus, John Hughes, whatever you want to say. Like apparently they had another guy to do the score, and he backed out because he was doing Rescuers Down Under. And oh. so wow, that's a good movie too. Though. <laughs> It's not as good as Rescuers, let's be honest. Yeah. But Rescuers Down Under, was n- it's Disney money, so that guy was chasing the bag, let's be honest. Um, so the original the original score composer backed out, and I think it was the Entertainment Weekly article that Chris Columbus was like, I was you know, close with Steven Spielberg, who had worked with John Williams, and so we approached John Williams, and apparently John Williams saw the, saw the movie and was enchanted by it. 
And I feel like without the score and like I'm thinking of the things like when he goes to the church and when he's walking home, like yes. there's the score oh in the background yes. when, that just feels like Christmas. When he says, I need to protect my house. Right. My pussy popped. <laughs> when the score is playing in the background and it goes, it's like Carol of the Bells. Yeah. That's my favorite Christmas song. Oh my God. Like I fully felt that deep down in my pussy. You you get that surge of adrenaline that hits you right, right. there. That's like, why it's my favorite Christmas song. Yeah, and when he does the mo- when the montage of him like planning out everything, he puts the paper down. Right. He has a blueprint of his house. But imagine that without that score. Drawn with crayons. Nothing. Like yeah, imagine that. Crayons. Imagine that to like This man is a cracker. This man is or this little boy can clearly plan out and plot an entire attack on two people, but he's also has the handwriting of an eight-year-old with crayon. He actually did that, apparently. <laughs> so no, so like one of the fun facts is like he that was actually that was Macaulay his handwriting. Culkin, that was actually Macaulay Culkin's <laughs> handwriting. But no, I think the score just kind of makes it something that just to me feels like the holidays and just kind of brings the whole thing together. Totally. Another treasure, I love the exterior of this house. Mm-hmm. I like architecture. I like pretty houses. Colonial. No, it's just it's like to me, it's just like. The wraparound. If I had a holiday movie, this is the house that I would pick. It's just, it's perfect to me. And then Macaulay Culkin, as much as we shit on him, I think at the time, I think being eight years old, he was an amazing, like he led this movie. He carried the movie. And I think that's really hard as a child to do. So I always want to acknowledge, like, I think he did an amazing job with what he did and like proved himself in Hollywood and obviously created a foundation for himself to like, get that bag in the future but yeah he he killed it with the writing that he had so awesome that's it okay elizabeth what is your trash and treasure uh so i have a lot of trash (laughs) i'm looking at literally two full pages yeah of handwriting (laughs) so this is gonna be good it's a lot going on um so i'll start with trash like holly i like to get the bad stuff out of the way all there there is a lot of bad (laughs) stuff prepare yourselves um yeah prepare yourselves his hair goes from wild so like when he first wakes up and realizes that nobody's home right and then it's combed like he took a shower and he got himself together got himself ready for the day it's like if i was that age would I be getting up and taking a shower? Like, no. If nobody was making me get in the shower, right. I for sure would not be getting I'm in the shower. I'm a full-grown 29-year-old adult, and I still won't do that. Yeah, and, and <laughs> if somebody's not making me, I'm not doing it. Like, right. I'm going to be living my best life, you know, five days in without a shower. Like, I don't, I just don't, it doesn't Bathing make sense Bathing is to me. not on also, your register. quarantine has changed us all. <laughs> yeah, so there's a lot of things that have there come was- into question. I, sorry, I have to butt in about the scene because I actually wrote it in the notes. When he's yeah. like looking around the house, just like, Buzz, Mom, Dad, where are you? He's like literally looking up walls. And I was <laughs> like, He is. Like they're hiding. Are they, hang- yeah. are they like, hanging are in the rafters? Spider Man? Like, what is going on? Like, that, that was the only thing that stuck out to me. I literally was like, Why is he looking up walls for his family? Like, I would be looking in closets, I would be looking around things. Like, I wouldn't be looking up walls. Also, I know this kind of digs into my trash a little bit, but. Don't you think that if your family disappeared the day before you're supposed to go on a vacation to France? They went to France. That they went to France. Yeah. Why didn't he think that at any point right. in this? Like, right. oh, my family's just in France. Because Not, he, he made a fam- wish, Kyle. I made my family disappear. He made a Christmas wish and it came true. I don't know if it's 
the age that maybe it's like he's not quite ready to realize like they left me. Oh no, but he could fully design a terrorist attack on two different adults. Again, this is the the, the fluctuating competence of Kevin McAllister. We get it. We get it. Right. Exactly. So it was just like he went from his hair being crazy, like he just woke up, and then it's like it's perfectly combed. And I'm like, if my mom's not making me do that, I'm not doing it. Like mm-hmm. as an eight-year-old, he's eight, right? Yeah. Eight-year-old. Eight. Yeah, it's not happening. Um, so you guys kind of mentioned some of the other stuff I said. When he sleds out the door, I watched this scene probably three or four times. I'm like, the angles don't make sense. I'm sorry, but they yeah. don't. The stairs are not, you will not go straight out the door. And even if you're angled like all the way on the right side of the stairs to try to get through that door, it's a real struggle and they make it seem like oh he just flies straight down the stairs and through the door was the door open when he was the door was open but like so like if he were to go straight down the stairs he would run into that wall so i was very confused when like they were showing it from different angles and then they showed him going out the the door i'm like there's no way so i watched it the first time i was like maybe i'm not seeing this right let me rewind it let me watch it again there's absolutely no way he would have made it out that door on that sled. Now, that's a great, like, that would be fun. That would be amazing. But the angles don't add up. Like, yeah. if you're going to do that, show him putting pillows right there because so, he knows he's going to run into the wall. Whatever. Like, it just isn't, you're not going to make it out that door. If yeah. you, you, you will rewind that scene and watch it. It's just like, there's absolutely no way. Absolutely yeah. no way. So I was like, mm, that's trash. Okay, so I have something to add here. Like, I was reading the behind the scenes again, and this is not noteworthy for, you know, the behind the scenes when we were doing it earlier, but his stunt double was, like, some 30-year-old man (laughs) that had the height of, like, a nine-year-old. And I was like... A midget. Don't say that word, because you know how that excites me. Um, But... No, it was like some 30-year-old stunt yeah. double that was him. And they said, like, when he's doing the sled, like, you can't tell. But when he's doing the zip line later in the movie, you can see that it's a completely different really? person. I think yeah. the only scene that he actually filmed himself was when he was getting chased by the cops after he stole a toothbrush. And it was when they're on the ice rink. It's that shot between where he goes in between the legs. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And you could literally see Macaulay Culkin, like, jizzing himself look at me between legs <laughs> <laughs> yeah that was that was I all i have to add <laughs> comments back to things but i'll try to control myself oh that's interesting i didn't know he had a son yeah he had a 30 year old the best part is they said he's the 30 year old stone double who had the height of a nine-year-old <laughs> like in the assessment and i was just like so he's short yeah he's midget <laughs> you gotta do you can't you can't say that word <laughs> that's politically correct erica <laughs> <laughs> Some people have fetishes in this room. Let's stop. <laughs> Us included. <laughs> Another trash. Uh, there's, I quoted this. Only a woman would be hiding under a bed. I'm the man of the house. Or he said something like that. He said that? Mm. There's no way he said that. He was under, well, he was under the bed. And I think like he came out from under the bed or he said that when he oh, was under the bed. Oh, it's when the robbers like, came. Oh, yeah. This no. is problematic. Like, I'm like, I get, so I'm trying to like realize, okay, it was 1990. It was a different time. Like people thought or felt differently back then but it's like seeing that now i'm just like i don't, I don't want to be one of these people but i'm like triggered like what, yes who no no you no, and i both no, you and i no. both battle that with gender like, norms no, and it's like no yeah. like no we're not saying that we're not doing that like yeah. i was like i'm disturbed that this like made it into the movie where it was like nobody thought mm, we better not say that because that's inappropriate specifically right. to the 
only a woman would do this comment. Yeah, right. and it's like it's one thing to say I'm not scared. I'm gonna. I'm a, I'm a big a boy. I'm yeah, a big there's boy. There's a different right. way to say that, and it's just like, like the things that were I don't want to say um, that made it in. Yeah. Back then that were like right. mm, nobody questioned it, and it's like mm, that's that was like ew. Um, another trash. He <laughs> said. Moira. <gasps> Moira! Moira never mentions the age of her son who is home <gasps> alone. So when she's calling Oh, police, that is true. This is true. Oh, yeah. She keeps saying, my son, my son is home alone. And it's like, she never says, my eight-year-old son That's why everybody's like, well, is, well, what's he, the deal? is there you poison him around there? him? Is, are, like, is there anything that we should be worried about? And right. She should... No, she and I was eight-year-old son. Like she, never I was. I, no, I was watching this movie, and I was doing the same thing. I was taking notes because I was like, "How old is he in this movie?" Like I imagine him to be right. like six or seven, like a young kid, not able to pack his own fucking suitcase. Right. But they didn't say until halfway through the movie that he's eight years old. And I think Macaulay Culkin was the one that was just like, "I'm eight years old." Like, and so it, no, it's just like you don't know from the beginning. It's just like I feel like in the beginning she should have been like, "You're eight years old. You can eat a pizza." with other toppings like you should be acting like <laughs> you can, it yeah cheese is not the end all be all or, I mean, or flip for some all the other is. toppings off like I don't care what you have to do figure right. it out you're but eight years old figure it out yeah I just didn't it was just goofy how they kept going back and forth between this officer and this officer of who was going to handle it and never at any point does she go my son is eight like this is an emergency because he's a he's, he's a, a child like, yeah he is by himself I have a child I, I have a child up. I'm all she has I forgot yeah there's no it's just like maybe because well, he's by himself and it's like but is he 13 like if he's 13 like who cares like, yeah because she's 16 year old she's worried son. about the fact that she's gonna catch a charge for being child a negligent, negligent. a negligent <laughs> parent yeah I'm the cops in the first place like you're gonna catch a charge either way like you might as well just say like hey um my like son let's is be real eight. if this happened nowadays she'd be arrested uh, oh yeah if you leave your kid in a car for like three minutes you'll get arrested exactly. which i mean honestly like we're not critiquing like laws like you should keep your children right. safe like, <laughs> like of course we're not advocating child endangerment right i was <laughs> literally not. gonna start off my behind the scenes with like this is a true story based on a cps case and like y'all would have been like <gasps> and then i would have been like no but it should be Just like <laughs> Maybe but we're not maybe we're not making jokes about CPS because they're doing the Lord's work. Let's be honest. <laughs> they for sure are. Um, my next trash. This kid <laughs> takes a lot of baths for being home alone. Yeah, I'm thoroughly confused. Like I get that it makes for a good scene. Like he's playing with his hair and he's talking to himself and all this stuff in the mirror. I get it. Like I'm not. I get the point of it in the movie perspective. But like. I'm just like, if I was home alone and literally no one was going to see me or no one was going to know whether or not I took a bath, I would not take a bath. Like, that's right. not the first thing on my list. I think right. that just shows how crusty we are. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just I like, I just think that's a normal, like a kid doesn't, yeah. an eight-year-old kid isn't thinking, wow, I need to take a bath every day. Or go grocery shopping for that or matter. Mul- uh, you're, you're feeding right into my next track. Um, multiple baths a day where right. they're like doing their hair it's like no this kid is literally laying in bed uh there's a, a lot of other stuff that he does that's like okay that that i would do but the taking the baths i'm like there's no way this if i was kevin McAllister that. at the same age i'd be just furiously masturbating the entire time at eight at eight years old 
boys, what? Boys put their wieners in like sleeping exactly. bags and stuff at a very young age. I'd be trying to watch some softcore porn on yeah. Skinamax. This could be a very different movie <laughs> if we were being realistic. I just like I have to ask though because like I think it's funny for me is just like when did you become like and this is like total sidebar so current please feel free to cut this out. But like, when did you do, like, I feel like I discovered, like, I need to shower. I need to bathe myself. Like, I need to wear perfume. I still haven't discovered that. I mean, you yeah. haven't. You haven't. <laughs> smell like, your but I feel like I discovered that, like, like I was like 13, 14. Yeah. Right. Like that for me, it was just like when you start to smell or when you or start when you to like, when your body, paying attention to when your body right. starts, yeah. when your body starts to change, that's when you start to discover like, oh God, like I, I make a certain odor or like I need a shower. I need to do these things. Like I didn't realize, like, I don't think I realized that when I was like eight, nine, 10. Agreed. Like I didn't realize that until probably middle school. So like, I kind of am tracking with you. Like, why so is he, why are you bathing so much? I'm like, this is just weird. He's over here calling his mom a dummy and then immediately takes the bat. It's like, it just doesn't, like you were saying, with the inconsistency, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, so, as Kyle was saying, the stuff he buys at the store, at the grocery store, is very adult. Yes. Um, I don't understand that at he all. He says, for the kids. And <laughs> when he's like, buying the army man. You're eight, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> you are a kid. I'm just like, hold on. We're buying toilet paper. We're buying orange juice. I'm Tied. Like, it, well, so let's say it was me and I was eight years old and somebody was like, hey, here's a $20 bill. Buy whatever you Candy. want in this grocery store because nobody's going to stop you. Candy chips. I'm not buying fucking right. toilet paper. I'm not buying... Tide. Tide. Yeah. That's $18 no, right there. That? That's no. expensive. <laughs> Your $20 is gone. Like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I just don't, I'm like, I don't understand. Like, it's this inconsistency for sure. Yeah, but I, I feel like the movie like poses him to be like, oh, he's this eloquent, like smart, right. like adult kid. But then it's just like, he has these moments where he's just like a super child. And then he, and then all of a sudden he's like grocery shopping and you're just And like, I think that's what like. And he has a coupon. So like at the time, <laughs> Cisco and Ebert were like the end all be all when it comes to all like, yeah. re- like movie reviews. Yeah. And basically Cisco and Ebert give it two thumbs right. up. Like their whole thing about this movie is like it's just so implausible. It's so implausible. Like this is not gonna happen. Like there's so many things that have to happen in But order I like that they were saying that in nineteen ninety. Right. Like that's the best part. Right. Because we're looking at it now from a 2020 lens. It's like you pick up your iPhone, you call your parents. Like, mom, you didn't pick me up. They see see on their ring that they fucking left you before they even get to the airport. You're sliding out the front door. They're like, bitch, you're on the ring camera. I think like the whole like appeal to this movie is that it kind of suspends reality because it's like, yes, in a world where this kid could have been left behind, where the robbers could have come that wouldn't murder him the moment that they saw him. Right. It's it's kind of like... Just let it happen. It's almost like a fairy tale. It right. Does, right. It does suspend and, reality for sure. And right. that's where I have to like stop myself and be like, guys, it's for entertainment. Right. Like it's for like getting, like I said, my like, nephews. Don't take it too seriously. Yeah. My nephews don't, adore yeah. this movie. And it's just like, because they see like the funny slapstick shit of it. Right. But, and that's lovely. Yes. Um, the other question from the grocery store, where is he getting all this money? Buzz's life savings is like $10. So he had already <laughs> spent that on pizza. I don't understand. Like, how do you have the money to buy $20 more worth of... Gro- like, where is this money coming from? It'd be one thing if he broke into Buzz's room, used all that money, and then broke into his parents' room and found a change jar or something else. It's like, there was literally dollars when he broke into Buzz's, like, life so. savings. It's like, there's not a 20 that popped out. It was dollar bill. Like... 
you already bought a, an $11 pizza. This isn't like the the money tree, as my parents would call you. Just go pick some money off. Like, right. This isn't an endless supply. Where did this money come we from? We haven't even discussed the fact that Kevin's dad, what the fuck is he doing? I love how this is a meme on social media. That he it's just can like, afford a trip for 20 people to France. Yep. In the 90s. With his with his questions. fat house. <laughs> with his fat ass house. Yes. <laughs> I have so many questions. We all have questions. Like, what did you do? Like, how do I get on that track? <laughs> I'm just trying to be there. I just want to know what Catherine O'Hara did, too, because they didn't they didn't elaborate why she was tired, why she was in a business she suit. married rich. Why she didn't care. <laughs> like, no, no, but I felt like she was, like, handling her hustle herself. Like, she was totally. full-blown, like, in a suit, a business suit to begin, and she's like, Girl, I'm too tired to care. Do you hear mine. Huh? I got you. Yes. Is, just wait. Yes. Okay. Just More trash. To be continued. More trash. Um, no key to get inside when he was running home from church. So when he meets that the neighbor, he finally like meets him. Oh man, Marley! We talked about him. Oh yeah. man, Marley! <laughs> he so he's running home from that. Doesn't use a key to get inside. So I'm like, he didn't lock his door. Yeah. So either he doesn't have a key, or the robbers could have just waited until he left. Right. Because he's leaving this shit unlocked. Like I'm, right. I'm confused. Like right. what? At least show him, like, oh, I know how a key works. I use the key to lock and unlock. No, we're not. We're just going to just bust in the door and whatever. Right. So that was, like... An inconsistency. Again, all these, like, I would say inconsistencies, plot holes, whatever you want to call them. Um, When he's getting ready to eat the mac and cheese, he has a knife. So, like, he has this whole setup, and it's like, there's a knife. Like, what are you going to do with a knife and mac and cheese? Like, right. you need a spoon. Mind you, this is like Sofer's microwavable dinners. And he's, like, like, <laughs> he's like ready with a knife. And it's just like, there's no steak. Like, I don't know what you, what we were doing, but you don't need a knife. So I, it's just like weird stuff. Um, last trash. Oh my God. Um, when Marvin, <laughs> the last. Yeah. We, you thought we'd never get here, but here we are. When Marvin is trying to break in the back door, you can see that it is a piece of plastic or glass that he's slipping on. From So like, there's certain, I love that they show him like pouring the water to like freeze right. and make it hard to get in. All that is genius. But then when you get to that back door, there's clearly this like square of plastic or something that they show him like slipping on and it's supposed to be ice but it's clearly not ice because you can if you look they show or shoot it from certain angles and it's like you can tell that that's plastic glass whatever you want to call it and it's just like "Mm, i wish they would have just made it more natural more believable yeah um treasure i'll keep it short i have a few (laughs) oh you have treasure you have treasure i do (laughs) could it be (laughs) believe it or not um, I love the look that Fuller gives Kevin. Oh, yes! <laughs> when he's like, I'm gonna pee the bed, bitch. Like, when he's chugging that Pepsi. He said, when I, they, they literally are like, take it easy, Fuller. And he's like chugging the Pepsi and looking at Kevin. Yeah, look, I'm like, uh, that is pure gold. Like, I don't give a shit about you. Like, I'm living my best life. I'm gonna drink this Pepsi. I'm gonna pee this bed. I'm gonna pee this bed. I, lo- I just love, I just love But I that think, look. I think it's also great because it's like a brother. Right. Looking at another brother of right. just like I'm a, I'm a fuck your shit I'm, up. I'm like I'm gonna pee this bitch. I'm gonna pee this bitch. Um I think a lot of this some of the stuff we've kind of talked about a little bit. Um I love that he has the giant like ice cream bowl when he's watching the old movie. I'm like, that's what a kid would do. Yes. Like, right. Left to his own devices to like do whatever he wants to do. 
I'm gonna make a big ass bowl of chips, ice cream. Ice cream nobody candy. is gonna let me yes. have in real life. Like, right. That is what a kid would do. Did you guys right. know when you watched this that that movie is not a real movie? Yes. I did mm. not. I thought it was a real movie. I thought it was a mob movie. I didn't know that it was not so a real the movie. movie within the film, which is fake. They yes. literally made it for the movie. It's called Angels with Filthy Souls. And in the second movie, Home Alone 2, it's called Angels with Even Filthier Souls. Yes. <laughs> okay, so here's the thing is I kind of got down a rabbit hole because I saw, like, I was taking notes and I was like, Angels with, you know, what was, what was it called? Angels with Angels filthy with souls. Filthier Souls. Angels with Filthy Souls is like the yeah. name of the first movie. And then on the plane, the dad is reading a book called Nobody's Angel. <gasps> and so I was like, what is this theme with angels? And so I try to explore it and right. like there's nothing to support what I'm saying. And so it's just like I thought there was <laughs> okay, like an so angels theme that like <laughs> that I was like going down. So like just like the English lit major in me is just right. like angels. There's an angels theme. What does it all mean? What does it mean? Like, what does it mean? Is is old man Marley an angel? <laughs> like I was, I was literally just like I yeah. got back into like college roots of just trying to analyze things and but be like, like, this is a theme. I'm just flabbergasted by the fact that that was a fake movie. I thought it was real. No, and I thought they were quoting it when I was a kid. I thought it was real. Right. And then like as an adult, it was like, okay, I've never it's, um, seen this movie. The movie, movie is a parody for a 1938 film called Angels with Dirty Faces by oh. the Brothers. Angels, what is it? Angel- Filthy Souls. With Filthy Dirty souls. Faces. <laughs> the guys are actual real actors. Yeah. But I guess, no, so they, they pointed that out in the Google Assistant commercial that Macaulay Culkin did. Like, the actor that played the guy that was like, keep the change, a filthy animal. Like, he made an appearance in it, but I think he passed away in like 2000 he or somewhere around. He passed away there. in 1999. There we go. Oh. We got fact checker. We got CNN over here. It's like me. <laughs> All right. Any more trash or treasure? Um, um, I love that he uses the movie that we're all talking about to talk to the pizza del- delivery man. I feel love like that. that is super, yeah. That's probably one of the better parts. Yeah. That is super. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Set up the context so I can help you with Meta. this word. It's it's very like. Like, he advanced. sees something, and then he, like, yeah, applies he it to the situation. It like yeah, pulls it apart and says, like, oh, I'm going to play this piece here, and this piece here, and this piece here. I feel like it's very innovative. Yes, there like, we go. For Which, an eight-year-old. If you watch the second movie, the chalk boy is basically the device that he uses to do the same thing. Yeah. I had a chalk boy. I did, too. See? Mm-hmm. Wow, you guys are rich, rich. Yeah, you are. Richie, rich. <laughs> Richie, rich. <laughs> <laughs> Macaulay Culkin pun intended. God, who knew we would be punning Macaulay Culkin? We all did. <laughs> Which is why um, we chose this movie. So, so I'll say one more treasure and then I'll I'll pose a question. So the last treasure I have is the beanie and the hair being burned off mm-hmm. of. It wasn't Marvin. It was Harry. 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 I feel like that is probably the most real looking thing, like special effect that I had seen in the whole movie. I was like, this looks like this could be real. Yeah. Um, it looked like his hair was singed. It looks like the beanie was singed. Like everything was like, wow, I believe that that happened. Do you, Some of the other stuff I'm like, mm. Do you want to know how they set that up? I have to know. So it was like behind the scenes. Like again, I did a lot of behind the scenes research because I was in charge of it and they were saying like... Every special effect that you see is like a literal person yes, doing like, it because it's no not CGI. CGI. It's movie. not CGI. Right. They didn't have the technology. If they put people in harnesses, they wouldn't be able to like edit them out. But they were saying how they did that was they had a mannequin behind him. Mm-hmm. 
And so they had a mannequin behind him and they placed him in a way where the lighting, it looked like he was his head because he was wearing a black beanie. And so like the light didn't reflect off him, but they did the blowtorch on it and like flame the head. And so it looked like it was his head. And then I guess like one of the producers or one of the, the editors kept the mannequin head and it's still in their office to this day. That's amazing. Yeah. So it's it, like it's little things like that when you like when you look at this movie you're just like ah I mean the stunts are like basic or they are what they are but when you think it's actual physical people I think that's like another ep- like another step of like being mind blown of like I, I will for sure give it that a thousand times over because yeah. there's parts of this where it's like you have to understand these were real people yeah. involved in this like yes. this isn't you know CGI this isn't stunt doubles most of the time this is the person doing right. this or like willing to go that far to make it believable so that was a huge thing where I was like there's a lot of stuff where I'm like "Mm, that's fake right see the like little things here but that was a really good like this is done well I don't know how they did it but it was done well yeah I think directors now are like oh we can just CGI that out or oh we can just edit that out or we can do this or we can we can we can finesse it this way but like back then they really had to create solutions right there's a million of the stunts that they were trying to do yeah Yeah, because it's not it's 2020 things are different but in 1990 it was like a whole different game but I but I look at this movie and I I think like that's something that I probably should have added to my treasure is just like the stunts are like spot on like they're good good. like I watch it now with a 2020 lens and I'm like holy shit that person literally just fell on their back the most like physical comedy and right it's good for the time right it just went on too long for me so (laughs) (laughs) so I'll pose this question so I didn't I couldn't fully grasped this when I was watching it when they were getting caught by the cops Mm -hmm. the neighbor coming to save Kevin was it Kevin turning on the water so that they could be caught or was it them turning on the water thinking that they were going to get away with it I was like confused at how like at the end it was like well we know that you're connected to these other robberies because you turned the water on like who turned the water on? Was it them or was it Kevin? Are you talking it on? about the house at the end where they like hung Kevin up on the hook? And, yeah. Like, so that was the house that they robbed previously. Previously. And they turned on the faucet. That's why it was like the water was everywhere. Yeah. It was already turned on. Right. So how did they get Kevin into that house? Did he run into it? He was. He led them there because remember he like ran towards it and yeah. even like when he was at his house he was like. Hello, my name is so and so, and I'm I'm currently being robbed because he knew that that's where the end game was gonna be. Oh, does that yeah. make sense? It kind of. Yeah. I was just like very, I was very confused about like how did that all end up where he ended up getting caught? They ended up getting caught with the water on. Like I was because that was a yeah, that was a house that he they already robbed, but he knew he was gonna end up there. And that's why he already called the police to be there. And that's why he was like... I had heard all that, but I wasn't sure where... Like, now it makes more sense that they were going to end up there. Yeah. Okay. Like, he wasn't going to... I was just like, who turned the water on and how did they know that... Okay. Right. No, that makes sense. Got it. Thank God we have Kyle here. (laughs) Yes. Okay. So I'm done. Sorry. That was really long. Don't apologize. That was beautiful. All right. Kyle, trash and treasure. So you guys kind of covered a lot of what I was pretty much gonna cover but a couple things that were my trash for this movie which it's not a lot because i love this movie first things first 
the police are literally the worst part of this movie. Oh, yeah. What the fuck did they do right. in this entire movie? Right. They did nothing. Right. Well, they actually <laughs> did show up to the house and... Okay, but it. here's the thing. They only but did before that... Before that, yeah. The only thing... Okay. So, you have a mother in distress saying, right. my son is home alone. He doesn't know what to do. He's eight year old, years old, blah, blah, blah. Your job is to serve and protect. And all they do is... First of all, the whole interaction during that scene when he's eating the donut and they're like, passing that was, her back that and forth. That was something that I was just like, they are playing up like the cop <laughs> stereotype right. of like, literally, this is a bureaucracy. We're passing you back and forth. We're eating a donut while we do it. There's a literal donut yeah. that falls onto the phone. <laughs> like, that's so much. But it's like, during that entire interaction and then only for them to say, all right, we'll send a cop to knock on your door. Right. And... They do it, and of course, nothing comes out of it. Right. But then, when he goes to the grocery store and accidentally steals a toothbrush, the cops are they're all, all over, over it. Right. Right. So you, you, so you're not worried about like a child home alone, but you're worried but about petty theft. crime. Yeah, exactly. It was ADA compliant. <laughs> was it? We don't know. It was non-confirmed. I'm sorry. Is this toothbrush approved by the Dental Association of America? <laughs> we don't know. I don't know. That always bugged me because it's like, yeah, the cops, I guess without any of this happening in the movie, the cops or if they did do their job, the movie would end in like 10 minutes. Right. Mm. But my question to you is like, if it was just like a random store security guard, like chasing him down, like would that have like, I don't. I don't know the message they were trying to say about police is just like, oh, they eat donuts and they're incompetent. But like if they had a security guard following him around, like I don't know how that would have changed the plot. Right. But like he would have been like, security guards are amazing. Like it was just, I don't know, just the inconsistencies between the fact that my child is in danger and he's at home alone. Right. And the Stealing a dollar toothbrush. Yeah. Exactly. And the fact that you're willing to chase him through a ice rink says a lot. My only other trash, really, <laughs> and I don't think you guys definitely didn't cover this, so I think it was just me. Why is this movie so obsessed with milk? <laughs> yes. So, at the beginning of the movie, they're all drinking milk by the buckets with pizza, right? She said, finish the milk before exactly. we leave. Exactly. She yes. says, finish the milk before we leave. That's blah, disgusting. Blah, blah. It's a huge plot point because they spill the milk, and I don't know if you guys realized that... The reason why Kevin also got left behind is because when they spilled the milk on the They threw away his ticket. They threw away his fucking boarding pass. Yes. I saw that this time. It said Kevin in the trash. I never realized that before. Yeah. I never noticed that. And I had told Jason, I was like, this is a major plot hole because they're counting the tickets. Right. The girl at the counter right. is like one, pretending to count people. Right. And it's like, but how would she not notice like, hey, I have an extra ticket. Exactly. There's no person. But that makes this sense. This is what I realized yeah. doing my research I realized last that this night. this time too, yeah. <laughs> no, no, I watched it and then I, I saw the things that they threw away and I thought it was just napkins when I was a kid. And right. this last time watching it, like, Two nights ago. You see Kevin on you it. You see Kevin yeah. on it. And I was just like, holy shit. Because it makes sense. Because like, if there's no ticket, then you're not going to account for anybody else. Yeah. Right. I was right. watching it this time and I was like, who the, f- who is this neighborhood kid right. coming, like, and engaging these, like, ta- like, like airport shuttle people I'm like why is he relevant to the plot and then when she's doing the count I was like okay, okay. like 
And also, at the end of the movie, do you realize, as soon as they get home to meet Kevin and everyone comes home at the same time because they took their earlier flight, the first thing the mom says is, we don't have any milk. (laughs) Are you serious? Why Why is that the first thing you're thinking of? She says, oh no, we don't have any milk. And then Kevin says, oh no, I went went shopping. Yeah. Like, what else did you do? Like, why is milk the first thing on your agenda when you just left your child home? For a week and a half. Right. Like right. there's water. <laughs> He's a growing boy. He needs right. to drink his milk too. Yeah, not only that, but also home. when he makes his uh, craft mac and macaroni and cheese dinner for Christmas right. Eve, He's he, has water. A, he has an entire goblet of milk. <laughs> I guess I can understand trying to use up the milk before you leave for vacation because yes, totally. it's gonna spoil and go bad. But when whatever. it's the first thing that you're but it's worried like, about, we need milk. It's like <laughs> what? And that's the like, first ew. thing you're asking for. Ew. Meanwhile, like, you have. A fucking charge against you. <laughs> right. <laughs> Cops are outside waiting. <laughs> I don't know. That always bugged me about it. Cause right. it's like, why is maybe it was sponsored by like Milk of America. Like, uh, no. Dairy Farmers it. of America. We don't right. know. Doubt it. So for my treasure, you guys pretty much covered everything. Cause like the house, that was honestly one of my favorite parts of the movie. Right. Because when I was younger and I saw this movie, I thought, this is the house that I want. Yes. And my goal is to live in that in a colonial house yes. with fucking big windows, big windows, Christmas lights, yes. But also like, well, for seven hundred and eighty thousand dollars, you could can live in mine. one in Colorado, <laughs> right? Yeah, but or in California, one, it's going to be two point eight million. Right. <laughs> so like four million, yeah. But one thing that I saw from watching the uh, the movies that made us documentary is that they said that it was purposely everything in the house is red. And, and green, green. Yes. yes. There's red and green in because every single like, scene. It's a Christmas movie, so we want to make it a Christmas movie. So that's why the bed sheets are red. Mm-hmm. The wallpaper is red and green. That's why there's a fucking Christmas wreath behind their his parents' bed. Exactly. On the wall. So it's like little attention to detail like that. I love it. Yes. Um, as far as my other treasures, obviously you guys already talked about the musical score. Mm. I fucking love it. You know, it's the same guy. John that did. Williams just hits you right in the sternum. He I'm did sorry. E.T. Harry he did Potter. Star, Star Wars. Indiana Jones. Jurassic Jaws, Park. Jurassic Park. Literally every movie where it hits you deep down in your soul with the music. Have you ever noticed that they all sound the same though? Yeah. A if little you, bit. If you like play it all. Totally. Yeah. No, I feel like I feel like there's like, and I say this to people, like I feel like there's two kinds of people. Like there's Hans Zimmer people I and there's John Hans Williams Zimmer. people. But I'm one of those like people that just loves both. Right. I love both. Because I feel like Hans Zimmer like has like a differentiated score and it's impactful, but John Williams like hits you right in the feels. Totally. Like Pirates of the Caribbean was Hans Zimmer and that was a pretty But I'm saying Harry Potter project. was John Williams, and then dun 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 Like it's just I don't I don't know like what level of genius that takes but like the way that it, when I hear those chords I'm like your pussy pops viscerally <laughs> activated Indiana Jones too yeah. yeah that's what I'm saying so like every like major score where you know the theme song to a movie it's most likely John Williams right I think just the chemistry between Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern who's <gasps> Marv and Harry do like, you want to know what's funny what okay so behind the scenes like Daniel Stern is the is that the actor? He's the Marv. He's yes. Marv. Okay, so he was originally supposed to be on for like six weeks. And they told him like, hey, we need you for eight weeks. And he was like, are you going to pay me more? And they were like, no. And he was like, cool, I'm out. And so they hired on a whole nother actor 
to play Marv. And Joe Pesci was like not vibing with that person and was just like, no, we're not going to do this. And so they ended up calling back Daniel Stern to come back and play. Yeah. Because like Joe Pesci had no chemistry with the other guy and they ended up giving this other guy like another check and he was like super bitter for a long time because of how successful Home Alone was but they ended up paying Daniel Stern to come back. But like they also Daniel Roebuck. They also had like previous they worked together on movies before so they obviously had chemistry. I feel like Joe Pesci was just kind of the asshole on set and like even the artistic director said that like Macaulay Culkin was more mature than Joe Pesci on set because Joe Pesci actually physically bit Macaulay Culkin like during that scene, like Macaulay Culkin said in like a podcast episode, or he said in some type of interview that he still has a scar to this day. Because remember when they hung him up on the yes. hook in the in the thing, and he's like, "I'm gonna bite off all your fingers." Like in one of the practices, he actually physically bit Macaulay Culkin and broke the skin. <sighs> and Macaulay Culkin was talking about it on a podcast and was just like, "I still have the scar." Oh my god! So like Joe Pesci physically bit a child. Also, like, like I guess the hardest part of the movie was the fact that he could not stop cursing. Right, so right. So that's why they kind of made up like his me. own character where, or his own thing where that's why he goes, shut up, like anytime he's frustrated because <laughs> that was his way of coping of just not they, cursing. On set, in front of Macaulay Culkin, they it made was him, the Yosemite Sam effect is yeah. what they called it. Yeah, they said that like on set they made him say fridge instead of fuck because right. he was just like, and I, and I know the type, like just like an old Italian guy, like just like you say what comes to the dome, right. like it's, there's no editing, but like he was on a set with an eight year old child, right? you know? So my last treasure, which honestly is probably my favorite, is the fact that Catherine O'Hara is a fucking style icon yes. through and through the yes. entire way. Yes. Like, she wore one outfit the whole time. No. No, no, she had, no, she had several. She had looks. several looks. L e w k s for the record. In my mind, when I was watching it as a kid, I never put two and two together. But I'm like, watching it now, I'm like, she is an affluent person. Yeah. Because look at her hairdo, her look scarf, at her scarf. Look at how much she like when she's in the fucking truck with the polka singers. Yeah. Like she's such an a style icon and she's so well dressed agreed but then i feel like that just carries into her character as moira mm. <laughs> here's the thing like when you are a kid and i'm gonna pose this question like i always just felt like she was kind of a negligent mom i always felt like when i was a kid like i was just like his parents didn't give a shit totally. like they they just left him and then she's trying to get back and like it's all these things like whatever like i didn't understand the logistics of like traveling during the holidays right. but becoming an adult and becoming a professional where you travel like i've been stuck in minneapolis for literally 12 hours i've done it like as a professional trying to travel and i realize how tough it is like there was a scene where they're like we only have 45 minutes we're not gonna make our flight and i was like tsa pre-check bitch bitch." like (laughs) i was like i've done it like i've i i do that all i used to do that all the time at john wayne like i do it at san diego because tsa like when you have pre-check you just kind of flow through but I was just like, 45 minutes, you're golden. Like <laughs> You've got time to spend. You've got time, honey. You can grab a coffee. <laughs> but no, I always felt like as a kid, like I was just like, his parents just left him and they tried to get back, but they weren't really trying. But like now as an adult, I look at it from a lens of just like, she went to like eight different cities trying to yeah. get that connection back to her kid. Not only that, but like the fact that her family came in 10 minutes after she did. Right. And they were like, oh yeah, we just took the flight that you refused to take because you were so eager. 
<laughs> That's right. the biggest she slap put, in the face. And I feel like I, I put a lot of pressure on Catherine O'Hare, especially as a mom, because I put her in the sights of my own mother, who would literally do anything for Your her kids. Your mom wouldn't forget you. She's forgot me like one time and it scarred me for life. Like I remember it was after I was in like middle school or something and she left me at school and it was a miscommunication between my mom and my dad, which rarely ever happened. If you knew my mom, you would understand how rarely this happened. But like they left me and I was there at like 530 and the teachers are like, honey, I'm trying to go home. Like, where are your parents? And I remember I had to go on to a pay phone. Like this is back. Like, honestly, I'm 32 years old. I'm so like I'm on a pay phone. <laughs> so I called my mom and I was like, mom, are, are you on the way to like pick me up? Like people are worried. And she was like, your dad didn't pick you up. And I was oh, like, no. no, like I'm I'm literally sitting outside the middle school. And my mom was like, I'll be there in 20 minutes. Like it was just a miscommunication. But I remember that feeling of just like my parents literally forgot about me. And it was like, I don't know. Imagine, I'll, I'll, how, imagine how Kevin felt. I know. I'll unpack this in <laughs> therapy. Days. I'll unpack this in therapy later this week, probably. <laughs> yeah, so but it's a lot no, to unpack. But I, I know Abandonment that. Issues. <laughs> no, but I know that feeling of your parents having a miscommunication just like, like, Leave and granted, this is middle school. I, I would was say like this child, is far more than miscommunication. Yes, yes, honestly. <laughs> the fact that it happened twice, negligence. I mean, negligence. <laughs> three it's times. a pattern. <laughs> Home Alone 3 is a thing. Exactly. Erica, what are your trash and treasures? All right, I don't have that much because... I think we covered it all. You covered it all. <laughs> all right, trash. The garage door's open. Okay. Oh, I also thought about this. The lights Same. are on. And... The fact that she's, he says, oh, I left the garage open so casually and like, like nothing's They're going to get into your house. That's easy. No, but it was an outside garage. Like they had a separate garage. But still, the garage is open. They're going to steal your car. The lights are on in the home. Honestly, I'd rather someone steal my car That's than so ransack heavy. my house. We haven't like, talked about the scary furnace in the fucking. The growth the, that came from the furnace. Yes. Were you guys scared of that as kids? Yes. No. Yes. Have you seen Brave Little Toaster? I was literally just gonna. I was literally just gonna go there. Sorry, like, I think it's before my time. You've never seen the Brave Little Toaster? No. <laughs> what? what? What is what is the appliance that scares us in the Brave Little Toaster? The vacuum scared me. Yes, the vacuum scared me as well. <laughs> Jason Lucas loves Brave Little Toaster. He loves that. The toaster it, scared him. The toaster scared. The toaster's the main character. There's like no, but I think it's the vacuum. It's like you you're so scared of it, and like I remember as a kid, like there are certain things that scare you, and then as you get older right. and you have an experience with it, and then you're just like, oh, you like you see it in the daylight, or you see it at a time where it's like yeah. not scary, and then you're like, it's a furnace, like. I think for me, it was our dryer. Like, it made a really funny noise, and I just hated when it was on. It was shifty, and my parents got a new one, and I was like, okay, like, this is how a dryer is supposed to sound, you know? But, yeah. No, I wasn't scared of the furnace. (laughs) But he was. But, I mean, I think that was, like, indicative of his character growth. Yeah, and then remember he was like... When he was like, shut up. Exactly. And you're like, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Erica, what's your other trash or trash? Um, Trash, how do you just forget a kid? But, I mean, we... Also, fully touch base on Honestly, that. I got in my car today without my keys, so like we're good. Oh, so we're tracking. Weird flex, you got a keyless entry. I know. That's weird. Um, yeah, affluence. The, the family crisis intervention department sucks. Oh my god. Yeah. The police. That's, yeah, it goes back to like, the police. The whole CPS situation there is terrible. And they're like, and eh, we are you poisoned? Is there a child in danger? But is, I, there this? is he is there blue that? or whatever? Yeah. But I have to go back to Elizabeth's point. If at any point she had said He's this eight. is an eight year old child, yes. like sure. they probably would have been like, Oh, 
okay, let's respond accordingly. But she never once said that. She didn't. Like, no. Um, how do you just leave your wife at the airport waiting for a flight? I would never leave my wife if I was a dude. That's what I'm saying. She Uncle went, Frank was trying to bounce. <laughs> he was trying to go get a like, nap. Let, like, like, let Uncle Frank and the kids She went through leave, an entire but, journey on by herself. Yeah. And her husband was nowhere to be found. Only yeah. to show up five minutes after she shows up the house. And then be like, oh, we caught the flight you didn't want to catch. Bitch. But I, I'm sorry. Like, I don't like that either. This is also how, his child. Right. Yeah. But how upset would you be as a kid? Like, I just put myself in the position of Buzz. Like, expecting a Parisian adventure, like <laughs> expecting to see well, some Paris women. No, and then honestly, that. you get a flight and then you get a flight back. Like I would hate my also, little brother. The dad had paid for all of this. Right. Well, my whole thing is let the kids go with Uncle Frank. Right. And then go and get your kid and then go back. It's fine. Uh, you have I, money. I saw an article where they equated how much money Kevin's dad paid for this trip. And it was roughly around like forty thousand dollars. Of course, like four first class tickets. Exactly. Coach. And just the four four class tickets are like eight thousand dollars each. Right. Yeah. So like, but they're but, staying for free at the apartment. And then when they equated the modern days, basically Kevin's dad paid eighty grand for this vacation. Yeah. How do you guys feel about this? What is he doing? What What is his job? Right. Money to get under that to afford an eighty thousand dollar Paris trip. Um, I hated Frank the uncle. Thought he was a douchebag. But we relate to him like on a molecular level. When I hear it's free champagne, I'm like, pour it up. I'm Rihanna all of a sudden. Still, like stealing the china. <laughs> I'm like, is this real crystal? He's like clicking. He's like, put him in your purse. Like Erica, you act like you can call. Like act like you haven't been there. I just think he was a douche towards Kevin. He's even worse in the second movie. Yeah, he's just, he's not nice. Like, I don't know about, well, you, you love your ne- your nephew and nieces. Yeah. Like, Would you ever act like that to any of your brothers, he's just sisters, a, no. offspring? He's just a dick. No, him. I think he's just, I like, I think he's generally like an unhappy person. He's also, oh yeah, for sure. So Kevin's eight years old. Right, but I'm saying like, my nieces and nephews, like in my eyes, like can do no wrong. Like I'm there to just sugar them up, spoil them, like make their lives everything they ever wanted and their parents hate me for it like sorry Karen and Amy but like that's me as an aunt but like I don't have kids of my own so it's a little bit of a different dynamic like then you're gonna hate him you're gonna call him no like I I still I feel like if I had kids like I would still spoil my nieces and nephews because I always wanted like that cinematic like aunt and uncle that like come in and save the day and spoil you like die though in movies they do I know because they're the pivotal part, you know, right. like they're the emotional connection. But like, I have a very different, you know. But Uncle Frank to me was just, <laughs> he was relatable in my thirties. You know, he was just trying to party. Erica, um, no one is concerned an eight-year-old is walking around town at night in the cold. I heard this on a podcast, and it was like, what would you do if you saw a kid walking alone by themselves? And like in 2020, you would you would like be alarmed. Like I see, I see kids walking together and I'm always like, oh, that's not safe. But if I saw a kid by themselves, I'd be like, that's really not safe. That's really not safe. Elizabeth, as an educator, what is your perspective? Uh, You're gonna have to be more specific. (laughs) Seeing an eight-year-old walk by themselves along a road in Chicago. Uh, See, but it's different. I think, so here and now, like it's like, you see kids walking by themselves and it's like, so quarantine status. It's like, are they just trying to get some fresh air? Like right. do their parents already quarantine? like, hey, they're here, they're good, whatever. I don't know. I, I struggle between minding my own business and getting involved. 
Right. So, yeah. like, I want to mind my own business because what if this kid is fine and they're just literally home? taking a walk around their block Like, you're not about whatever. to be like, I'm going to take you to the police. And it's like, I don't, you just struggle with it. And I think that's in any situation. It's like, do I mind my own business or do I get involved? And right. if you get involved, you better be, like, fully prepared to get all the way involved. Yes. And, like, give your <laughs> You hope you're ready to position. adopt a child. And, yeah, you better be, <laughs> I mean, not, I mean, yeah, but not, like, to, but... Still, it's just like you better be ready. All right, Erica, what else you got? Okay, why didn't Kevin tell the old man about the wet bandits? They asked, like, he should have just told them that there's people going after him. Because he has a high EQ and he's worried about somebody else's problems. Okay. <laughs> um, when Kate McAllister says, where the hell am I? You're in Scranton, Pennsylvania, bitch. Put some respect on Scranton and Dender Mifflin's name. Yes! Wait, I don't remember that part. She was in Scranton, Pennsylvania. The mom was? Yeah. And she was like, where the hell am I? She's like, I went to Dallas to... Yeah, put some respect on that name. Dunder Mifflin <laughs> Paper Company. <laughs> Treasure, Sergeant Balzac at the Family Crisis Intervention Department. The fact that his last name was Balzac is my favorite. Wait, what? His name was Sergeant Balzac. Shut up. I didn't even notice that. Yes. The iconic aftershave scream. Um, all the booby traps. Are these treasure? Yeah, these okay. are treasure. Pizza delivery scene. Yes. The music because, duh, John Williams. And I actually love the whole movie. So the whole movie for me is a treasure. The end. Love it. Thank you. Hmm. Holly, what would you rate this movie? I go back and forth. Like, I think it's a holiday staple. And I think it's something that I actually, like, will have on in the background. But I don't know if I'd sit down and physically watch it like it would be something that I would be doing while I was doing something else right because like I said like every family has their holiday movie and for us it was a Santa Claus with with Tim Allen but like Home Alone was always a staple I struggle between 10 and 15 but I have to settle on 10 okay Elizabeth so after hearing everybody's research and such I was between a five and a ten but I think I'm gonna have to go with five only because I feel like I literally would barely pay five dollars to watch this again I I don't it's that whole I mean bling has this whole thing of like rewatchability the four pillars or whatever it is eighty three four yeah yeah I'm like I would not pay to watch this again like I've seen it that's good enough like I would be fine if I never saw this movie again if it's on the background cool but I'm not going to pay to watch it again only because it's like it is what it is. And I know people have a lot more connection to it. Um, nostalgia. It, nostalgia. Yeah. And, and it's like people hold on to that. And that's fine. I don't personally have that. So it's like I never saw it when I was a kid. I saw bits and pieces or whatever. And I saw it just through this specific lens of like looking to review it. And so I will end up at a, at a five. Kyle? So I think for me... It's kind of very the opposite of Elizabeth's experience. But I think for me, just the nostalgia factor and entertainment value for itself, I love this movie. Yeah. I would give it $20. No, $15. I mean, Let's give it 15 I'm going to give it 15 Okay, but is what, that what you really want to give it? No, but what's your conflict? Like, I mean, if you want to give it $20, if this is something for you, like, honestly, if I was critiquing the Christmas movie that my family watched, like, I would probably give it a 20 right. just for the fact that, like, it's every single year. And that's, like, to me, is the kickoff of the holiday right. experience. And if that's Home Alone for you, like... Okay, so I'm going to give it a 20 Yes! Because, I mean, and I've never done that on this podcast. Yes. But I feel like the nostalgia, the entertainment value, the fact that 
you know, it has an everlasting mm-hmm. impact. You're going to Macaulay. Exactly. I almost was named after, this almost was my namesake. <laughs> so. If we were doing this podcast and your name was like Macaulay Callilung, like I would die. Imagine you guys didn't even include me on this. Right. <laughs> we would have to. Yeah. So I think I give it a 20. I feel like your trajectory would be very different if your name was Macaulay. Absolutely. Erica, what about you? I would give it a 15. 15. Wow. Yes, queen. Because it is also a childhood movie. Yes. Twelve dollars and fifty cents yeah. is what we've decided that we would pay for this. Which I think is the highest movie that we've yeah so rated. far rated. I think so. B team is very critical, but I'm really <laughs> proud of us. It takes us three hours to do a podcast. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the most important question: Tom Cruise. Oh shit! I didn't even think about this. If Tom Cruise was to play a character in this movie, who would he be? I'll start. I think he's going to be the dad. Like, okay. I think he's going to be the one that's, like, making the coin, like, d- like low-key calming down Catherine O'Hara so in this very movie. very sexy. Just, just coy cavalier. <laughs> and I know the actor that played um, the dad in this movie, like, at first was not, like, I think a lot of people read the script and were like, this is not going to be right. a big a big hit or a big success or whatever you want to call it because it had limited showings in the beginning. I don't think the studio believed in it. They were just like, it's a holiday movie. We're going to pump this out. It's going to put Tom Cruise as a dad and it's going to be awesome. And so I feel like with Tom Cruise as the dad, like we can believe that he's making money behind the scenes to afford this trip to Paris, to afford the house, to afford everything that he's afforded. To be able to be like, I left my garage open and it's no big deal. Like, <laughs> no big deal. My that to me is a love, that to me is a level of affluence I aspire to be. Like, I left my garage open. Like, it is what it is. Right. You know, Elizabeth. I was thinking. I had already had Holly's answer, and I was like, I'm totally gonna say the dad. The dad. Yeah. And then I'm like, I don't know who I'd pick other than the dad because I don't think he. He's not be, Old Man Marley for sure. <laughs> he couldn't be Marvin or Harry. Harry. Yeah. Could he be Uncle Frank though? I don't think it's a big enough role. Right. I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with the dad. I'm sorry. I yeah. stole your answer, but no, I no, no. I stole also. your answer. I said it first. <laughs> so I think he actually could have played either Marv or Harry because he has the athletic Harry. training. Mm. He does the He's stunts. Short. He's okay. short. He definitely could have played Harry. Like post Top Gun, yeah. Right. Like he probably could have carried this movie on his athletic abilities, mm-hmm. his comedic performance. <laughs> but just imagine Tom Cruise's Harry like looking into Macaulay Culkin's soul. He w- would have turned him gay. No, no, I just, I mean, like, oh, that's not what you're saying. no, I mean, like, I mean, like that. I had you, you had me at hello, like Tom Cruise, oh, just looking into Macaulay Culkin's eyes, just, it was just my selling, sexual awakening. no, but selling, like, you know, there a lot is. of things, a lot of things have happened in my life that led me up to being a wet bandit, and it's been a life of turmoil. Like, I feel like Tom Cruise would have bought you, there'd be a monologue, just you yeah. looking in my eyes saying that. Yeah. did something to my nether regions. So. Your nipples are hard. I can gonna, see it. So. I'm going to stick to it. I was going to go with just a cameo appearance as Donald Sergeant, Trump. no, <laughs> Sergeant Balzac. Just brief, just a dick. Like a then, Tropic Thunder, just in and out. Yeah, just thing. in and out. And it's like, that's Tom Cruise. Love that. Because I feel like everyone in this movie, I can't imagine anyone else. Plus, everybody in characters. this movie ended up moving on to the second movie. So, like, they yeah. recur- they're all recurring characters. Yeah. yeah. So, alrighty, that's it. That's it. So that being <laughs> said, team out. B-team. Merry Christmas, you filthy animals, and Happy New Year. Keep the change. <laughs>
Thanks for listening to this episode of $20 Ticket. Follow us on Instagram at $20 Ticket and leave your ticket price about the movies we've reviewed. If you have any comments or suggestions, send them to $20ticket at gmail.com. That's 2-0, the numbers, $20ticket at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to us via Apple Podcasts and thank you for listening. What's my motherfucking name? Put the motherfucking mic on. <laughs> mic is on. That's loud. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> oh my. Stop. Stop. No. Oh. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> is it me you're looking for? Please I can see the, it in your eyes. Jamie. Jamie. Why do you? Dasha, dancer, prancer, vixen, comic, cupid, on a blitzen. Stay cool, bad boy. Say Jamie again, Kyle. Jamie. He sounds. Never mind. I'm not gonna say it. Politically incorrect. <laughs> he sounds Australian. Australian. I was gonna say you sound like a Down syndrome kid the first time you oh. said it. Oh. I probably. Erica, won't. you just say on the spectrum. <laughs> on the spectrum. <laughs> and last but most definitely not least, we have with us Mr. Kyle Kelly. Hi. How's it going? Great. <laughs> I mean, just, We're going to start that over again. I, we can't do that. <laughs> um, it actually held the record for the highest grossing live action comedy ever until it was overtaken by The Hangover Part 2 in 2011. Oh, wow. Wait, no. That's not true. Oh, no. Sorry, I did research. <laughs> Sorry, we can, we can read that. This is from Wikipedia. Is it? Yeah. No, so I literally I, copied and pasted it. Oh, Wikipedia didn't say that. Wikipedia's going to sue us. <laughs> well, we're not going to include this. <laughs> Hold on. I literally copied and pasted it. We'll go back. We'll go back. Wikipedia, you fucking liar. On the first day of Christmas, <laughs> my true love came to me. What are you giving me on the first day of Christmas? A partridge in a pear tree. Trees are expensive. I'm into it. <laughs> Trees are expensive, even with a partridge in it. And oh. then um, after De Niro turned it down, Saturday night... That fucking ice cream truck. Kyle, can you stop twerking, please? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I also too. Okay. ASMR. <laughs> All right. Crunchy McCrunchy. All I hear is crunchy. I know. <laughs> I know. Girl, we don't even I'm have sorry. No you have to listen on. to this ASMR. And then Should we just like, re-record you saying that? Yeah. So it's easier for Kerwin. Yeah. Like, sorry, just Kerwin. Start. Scratch that, Kerwin. Kerwin, cut this out. <laughs> Edit this out, Kerwin. Kerwin, cut this out. Okay. <laughs> I looked at you like, what? Okay, backtrack. Sorry, Kerwin. Kerwin start from Edit. now. Edit, start from now. So, Holly. Yeah. Sorry, I'm a little bit drunk. You're okay. So, oh, Holly. No. <laughs> you don't have to say it. I know, right? I don't know how to say it. So anyways. <laughs> Home alone. <laughs> okay, are you ready? Let's talk about this wholesome Christmas movie. This wholesome <laughs> Christmas movie. Are we ready? Yeah. yeah. All of us? All of I'm us? I'm ready. Yeah. Okay.